Okay, so session 31, smoke and snow. We start off with a carriage moving at breakneck speed across a white wasteland. Inside is Malcolm Harp, a member of the Vanguard of the Immortals, recently abducted by parties unknown whilst trying to track down a vampire that him and his accomplices believed that they had slain. After some of the vampire's victims themselves became vampires, a huge melee broke out in the village of New Zealand. His friends were away about other business. Malcolm had been remaining behind in the village to heal his wounds and rest up a bit from recent endeavours, but managed to rouse himself to marshal a defence force to fight back against this vampiric incursion. Between himself and the other guards, they were able to subdue the newly created vampires and kill them. Unfortunately, while this was going on, the original vampiric creature that both himself and his friends had faced, which they had mistakenly believed was slain, returned to New Zealand and attacked the guardhouse there. Whilst it was engaged in combat with Cotton Nickel, who was defending the guardhouse, a torch was knocked over, setting the building ablaze, and in the chaos and the smoke, the creature grabbed hold of Cotton Nickel and disappeared with him into the nearby darkness of the Wolf Forest. After the fires had been put out and Malcolm had given directions to see that everything else was dealt with and repairs were underway on the damaged defences, he roused up a group of soldiers, mainly the ones that had been loaned to them from Staffstone Tower, to set off and try and track down this vampiric creature and recover the abducted cotton nickel. They followed the tracks through the, the rising snow drifts as we were a week away from deep winter. The weather is already turning extremely harsh and it's getting to the point where travel is very difficult. If you don't have specifics of really heavy furs and heavy winter gear, it's becoming quite difficult to travel, especially when the snow is bad. But being the expert tracker he was, Malcolm and his group of guards found the trail of this vampire. It appeared to be leading to the east, away from the village. They followed it and were getting close, he believed, to like gaining on this creature when suddenly the group was attacked by a tide of a vermin and other creatures. Most of the guards were pulled down beneath this furry tide of bodies and were consumed. Malcolm shouted to the, the two survivors to get to higher ground so they could be safe from the these vermin, these rats and these other creatures of the night that had been summoned. As he was shouting that and he saw them start to scramble up a large rock, Something dark and ragged swooped down out of the trees and struck him, and everything went dark. Sometime later, Malcolm awakes in what he thinks is a carriage. He looks around, he's a little bit blurry, still quite injured from previous exertions. He's bound, and he can feel the rocking motion of the carriage as it moves. 
painfully sort of inching his way around despite his bonds. He looks through one of the little windows which is covered with a heavy piece of tattered cloth. And even in his bleary state through the dried blood on his face, one of his eyes sort of half closed, he can see the snow rushing past outside. Realising that in his injured state he doesn't stand much chance alone, he can hear a couple of voices, maybe three, it's difficult to tell, one of his ears has taken a knock, he can hear voices on top of the carriage. However, he thinks to himself, he knows that his allies will soon be returning to New Zealand and they'll inevitably find out what's happened and they'll attempt to follow him. So thinking quickly and with what resources he has to hand, he, he finds his possessions, which are still with him. His captors don't seem to have any interest in them. And he finds a few small items that he thinks are not vital, like notes and diaries and stuff that he can mostly remember anyway and as this carriage moves every now and then he drops one of these items out of the window of the cart leaving a trail of breadcrumbs if you will for his companions now as we know his allies Brock, Quentin, Weimar and Lanrevar did indeed return to the village they found out what had gone on they followed the trail, rescued the two guards who were still sheltering on this rock against the, the hordes of rats that surrounded them. And they found out from these guards that Malcolm had been taken. So, setting off in search of him, they travelled to the east, eventually coming across what appeared, for all intents and purposes, to have once been a logging camp. It appeared deserted, but when they explored it, these ghoulish, cadaverous-like creatures that could paralyze a man with the scratch of their claws leapt out of wood piles, snowdrifts, carts, etc., and attacked them. They, they managed to fend them off despite Warmai being paralyzed for a, a small portion of it, and eventually they located the trail of the cart that had taken Malcolm away and they found the first of these items that he dropped as a, a trail of breadcrumbs for them to follow so quickly jumping into their own slightly rickety cart with their two ponies with Crosnon the, the dwarven prospector friend riding the cart they set off after this trail we joined them as they race as quickly as they can towards the edge of the Great Glacier, just to the north of the logging camp. As they get there, they see the glacier appears to slope down, almost becoming flush with the landscape as it trails down, having melted at the edges. And they can see a, a smooth, almost path sort of worn into the glacier that leads up onto it proper. And following, heading up the side of it, they see the tracks of this heavy carriage. And the Brock looks over and sees the, the heavy footfalls and the hoof marks of at least two horses. As they, Crosnon gives them a quick look, they give him the nod, and he takes the cart up onto the glacier. There's a bit of skidding and a bit of uncertainty as you're, you're all trying to balance out the cart. You make it up onto the top of the great glacier and as you peer up ahead of you in the distance very small just a little speck dark against the, 
that pure whiteness and the sort of slight icy blueness of the great glacier they see the shadow of this distant carriage heading away from them to the north at all speed now assuming you guys are going to continue pursuing this carriage it seems to be maybe a day or two ahead of you they've got a bit of a head start so I'm going to ask either Brock or Weimar, it's up to you, which of you wants to do it. Can you roll me a, a D100? And this is to see whether you manage to like make up a substantial amount of time. You've only got a 20% chance, I'm afraid, because they've got like quite a head start. Do you want to do it, Brock, or shall I? Uh, I think I've had pretty abysmal luck, so... <laughs> yeah, I'll go for it. Well, much good though. Okay, so can you now roll me a d3, please, Brock? Okay. I'll just uh, d3, uh, d6, half it. A one. Okay, so assuming you guys don't rest at all, and when I say rest, obviously you, the cart could continue going, but. It's not going to be like a restful night's sleep if you're trying to keep the cart moving because you're in a tiny cart that's full of your stuff and it's quite rickety and it's sliding and skidding along these ice flows. So it's down to you guys whether you want to like pursue them or whether you want to rest at any point. But assuming you don't, the, the enemy cart will have reached the position it's now in on the map when you catch up to them. But it's up to you guys if you want to rest at all. I will point out for every day you travel without resting, you will need to make a constitution check or you will gain an exhaustion level. Because you're literally pushing yourself, especially in this cold weather, and you're not able to eat properly or cook anything or anything like that. You're literally burning the candle at both ends to try and make up time and catch up with this cart that Malcolm's yeah, Freezing the candle. Indeed. <laughs> um, so... Remind us, what is exhaustion? Uh, and okay. How does it increase in, in no terribleness? <laughs> I can anticipate you might ask that. So, but basically, the maximum number of exhaustion levels you can get is six. If you get six exhaustion levels, you die. Mm -hmm. If you get one exhaustion level, you get minus four penalty to ability checks. If you get two, your speed is halved. Three, you get minus four to attack and saves. Four, your hit point maximum is halved. And five, your speed is reduced to zero, because that's literally like you're collapsing mm -hmm. from exhaustion. You can barely move. Um, healing magic reduces a number of levels of exhaustion equal to the number of dice healed. Resting for eight hours reduces your exhaustion levels by one, as long as you eat a ration, as well as the normal like hit point recovery. Yeah, so... Um, can we do things in shifts, or are we are we both uh, required to um, make the? Was, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. You would both be required to make the roll because, as I say, yeah. even if you take it in shifts, yeah. unless you stop and sort of make yeah. make camp effectively, you're not going to get a good night's rest, even if you're just relaxing in the cars. Right. The other quick question was: Is there any? sort of sign of them slowing down at any point or stopping or resting there, there or anything. does not appear to be. They just appear to be... I mean, it's difficult to tell day, at, at the but... distance you're at, but they don't appear to be slowing down or stopping. They just appear to be going. Right. But okay. 
if you assume and you may do it's entirely up to you if you assume that like the carriage is driven by creatures akin to those you've seen at the logging camp which doesn't seem unreasonable because you know the carriage was at the logging camp and if they just if they were normal humans and they waltzed through that like ghoul infested like hell hole then they're doing pretty well yeah but if it's if it's these ghouls or heaven forbid like a vampire or something like that obviously you've no idea how much rest such creatures need if they need rest at all and you, yeah. you certainly know i mean obviously the cart wouldn't be pulled by vampires but you know that vampires can apparently feed their blood to other creatures to like give them increased strength and stuff like that so it doesn't seem unreasonable that, you know if you're if you're a vampire or one of these creatures and you've got some horses you know you give them a quick quick top up to like keep the horses going well i mean brock if we're if we're making decisions is keen to push on at least to start with yeah, yeah just because going. we're going to lose sight of them potentially if nothing else okay so for the first day can you both make me a constitution check and obviously brock you can make the ones for lan as well okay Uzuna. Okay, so buoyed up by their hardy ice walker constitution, at the end of the first day, Brock and Lan are doing fine. Why am I? You're, you're already starting to feel like the nagging effects of tiredness. So that would be like one exhaustion level, which is minus four to your ability checks. On the second day, do you continue to push on? Like I say, you've got four days of this effectively. Yeah, I'm still keen to push on. Yeah. Yeah, let's go. Okay. Man, mate, I'm built for um, tropical waters, though. And that, this... that's it. <laughs> and I mean, to be fair, if, if if we're in like the sort of the summer or the lesser months of winter, you probably wouldn't have to make quite as many checks. But we are starting to get into like the real like biting winter cold winds, just like sapping the energy out Ooh. of you. <laughs> <Bloody> <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Okay, so... Lam Rival's still doing okay, but yeah. for you guys with your twenties, uh, Brock, you're, you're starting to feel the first sort of strains of exhaustion. You know, your your eyes are struggling to stay open. Why am I? You are starting to feel like really quite sluggish. The cold is starting to penetrate through the furs that you're wearing, and your teeth are maybe chattering a little bit. You're having to like pull your furs tighter around yourself. The snow's whipping around you. As as I see this sort of taking effect, John, it, can I use um, my bosun's palm or balm? Sorry, that I've got, which is a uh, sort of gives you greater endurance. It's one of the herbs I've found. Oh yes, I recall. Would would would, would that have a, an effect in this situation? Do you know what? I, let's have, let's have a quick look at it. So. I'm not 100% sure on the description there if that would work or not. The herb stimulates the body's energies, bringing on great endurance. So yeah, I would say that if you're if you're going to give that to somebody, that can remove an exhaustion level. 
Okay, so I'm going to give that to Weimar after I see after two days he's he's getting progressively worse. Okay, so as you're travelling, as the cart's moving along, Brock sort of scrapes some snow off the off the cart, puts it in like a little pot, you know, like flint and steel. He manages to like heat it up a little bit enough to like melt it into like, still quite cold water. And he mixes this uh, bosun's balm, this like quite almost thyme-like herb into it, and he holds it out towards you, Weimar. Yeah, I'll I'll down it. Yeah, you, no no question. <laughs> you drink it; it's it's quite strong and pungent, and it's got like a weird sort of like almost licorice like aniseed sort of aftertaste to it. And you know you have to like struggle to like try and like keep it down, but it's not a particularly pleasant flavour, but. After a few minutes of like ingesting it, you do start to feel like almost like a slight warmth coming back into your to your limbs. You feel a little bit more energetic, so you will go down to one exhaustion level. Okay, okay let's save those twenties for combat, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, so day three. Again. Yeah, we'll push on. Yep, looking good. Yep. And nice. That bosun's bombs works if you're working. Yeah, well let's see, let's see. <laughs> oh, that was Brock's wrong. Yeah. Ah uh, no, no. I'm I'm not built for this. Okay, <laughs> so Weimar's back up to two. Yep. Brock's still on one, but lands on zero. She's doing pretty well. Okay, so you you you're doing pretty well. I mean, it's taken a toll on you, but you are sort of gaining on the carriage in front. You can see it comparatively getting closer as you race towards it. You you reckon at some point, probably near the end of the next day, if you keep pushing on at this pace and nothing untoward happens, you will probably catch up with them. Do you guys push on? Is, is there any way that I can... Adjust this role in any way. Can I take some of the brunt of Weimar's work or Lan even and reduce, you know, to give him a bonus or give us a penalty or sort of yeah, I'll, try and I'll, take effect? I will say if you're if you're sort of doing some of their duties, when you when you do your role, you're going to add plus two to your role, so effectively like a plus two penalty for you because obviously you're rolling under, <laughs> and that will in turn give Weimar a minus two bonus. On his d20 roll so yeah so as you're traveling on this last day obviously you're all like doing various bits and pieces to keep the cart moving uh seeing that weimar's exhausted like brock's like no just take it easier i'll deal with this don't worry about it so both make your con rolls obviously you get a minus two bonus weimar you get a plus two penalty brock. so i'll do land one she's a machine she is uh, well, what, whatever jobs you were doing for Weimar, it seems to have worked. Oh, yeah. I failed. And, and you're paying for it. <laughs> so you're paying the price. So Brock's up to two, and uh, Weimar is on two. So that means that both of you have minus four to your ability checks, and your speed is effectively halved. And as you're, as you're sort of passing by this area, the the mirrored peaks 
you see a dark shadow fall over the area. And as you look up into the sky, you see the the silhouette of this great frost worm returning to its lair, sort of passing over the area you're in. However, it's high up. You're a tiny cart. It's probably not going to notice you. Why more? Romy D12, anything but one, you're fine. Yep, so it flies straight over without even noticing you. And you continue your journey after the cart. So, near the end of your fourth day of pursuit, let's say you've been pushing hard. You see you've you've not got long before the light's starting to fade. You've not got much daylight left. Malcolm, can you please roll me a D12? Eleven. Okay, so you basically have thirteen rounds until, like, effectively until the light fades and it's of twilight. So, actually, no, not that. There we go. Okay, so I'm going to move you guys onto the next map. Here we go. Let's wait for that to load up for you all. Okay, and what you should see, it's like the generic sort of zone map. You should see your cart a short way behind the carriage. You've got Krosnon, Weimar, Lan, and Brock in there. I've put Malcolm's token a little bit just off to the left of the carriage because obviously he's inside it as you're racing closer you can see that the carriage in front appears to have two horses pulling it and there are five five three figures i can't count there are three figures wearing sort of like long tattered ragged like coats or cloaks perhaps they they have the same bold pallid sort of pointy-eared cadaverous look of the creatures that you fought at the logging cabin you can just about make out the head of one of them at the back of the head as he sat on the front of the the carriage like lashing the horses on and the other two are on the back of it it's quite a substantial carriage i mean it's a carriage you guys are in a cart so it's got like a roof on it you can see like windows although they must have some sort of like covering over them you can just see like maybe like a like hessian sacking or something that's been turned into like makeshift curtains and the you can hear the tireless pounding of the hooves of the horses as they get they sort of continue racing away from you but you've been gaining on them you've pushed yourself to the brink by not resting but you have gained on them you're at the point now where someone on your cart like a bow or something like that would be within range of the cart in front you're not a, you're not near enough so you could like leap across the carts or anything like that but you're getting closer yeah i'm definitely shooting my bow okay no problems and so yeah feel free to make a, a bow attack that's fine yep 
Uh, where's the longbow? And I'm also going to ask Malcolm, can you please make me a listen at the doors roll? It should be on your abilities thingy. Okay, so who are you shooting at? Um, just the, the the closest one that I can see. Okay, yep, no problem. So you take a shot at one of the ghoul-like creatures standing on the back. Now, because you failed your listen at doors roll, Malcolm, you've been sort of... Th these creatures, they seem to sort of be under the mistaken impression that you're either like paralyzed or like insensate so they've not really been keeping that much of a watch on you you so you've taken the opportunity to basically oh i'll just i'll play up to this and pretend i am like knocked out or whatever so i can rest and recuperate and i've added a bit of like hit points back onto your total so you've been like you've been lying there sort of recovering now, as you've been doing that you've heard the the three creatures you can't really make up what they've been saying but you've heard the three creatures talking and then occasionally only in the hours of darkness you have heard like a muffled voice like a fourth voice that seemed to join in the conversation although you don't know who that is now okay. you haven't heard the sound of your allies cart riding against the wind rushing to catch up with you however what you do hear is you hear like a and then you hear like a, a cry like, of one of these creatures on the back of the cart as it is struck by an arrow from Weimar and I'm going to make a quick roll for this guy if I get a 1 he's going to fall off the cart because he wasn't really expecting to get shot <laughs> okay yeah so you definitely hear when Malcolm as you sort of drag yourself up to the window on the, like, the western side of the cart you actually see this ghoul tumble off the cart with an arrow sticking out of his shoulder and obviously the map's static, but obviously you guys are moving pretty quickly. So he lands in the snow in a tangle of limbs, white spray going up, and he's quickly left behind. And the same, anyone who falls off the carts is going to get left behind like really quickly. Because you're literally, the, the vampirically powered horses of the people who've kidnapped you are going at breakneck speed. Luckily for you guys, however, your cart has like double the number of horses they have. So it's sort of roughly evening out. But even so, your friends have had to like really push themselves. But you are now aware, as you sort of like peer out, you see this ghoul like, fall off and into the snow. And you sort of peer around, lifting up this, uh, this sort of burlap sack that's being used as a curtain. You look out, you can see the small rickety cart of your allies. You see the dwarf Crosnon like lashing the horses on. You can just about make out Weimar sort of stood at the front, just like lowering his bow, probably notching another arrow to it. He looks like quite tired and haggard. He's probably got like dark rings around yeah, his eyes. It's just ice, like the whole beard. Just... <laughs> yeah, the wind's <laughs> whipping his hair around his face, standing at the back of the cart like two gigantic statues hewn of pure muscle is Brock and Lanrivar. Lanrivar looks fresh as a fucking daisy. She, <laughs> she looks absolutely fine. Her red hair's like flowing out behind her in the wind. Brock 
looks like every inch the man mountain is but you can you know him you can tell that he's obviously tired as well you, and you can see like the ice is like encrusted in his uh, his stubble and in his furs and his hair etc and they're really sort of like having to like work the car you can see Krosnon's like lashing the horses like it's going out of fashion just to try and like keep up with this devil ridden cart that you are currently held in um, am I are my hands tied with rope or chains? Your hands are bound behind you. Basically, you've managed to sort of loosen it a bit. So you've so you basically worked your hand around like that, so you could like pull the curtain away and have like a quick okay. look out. Yeah. But it's not like very convenient, obviously. But yeah, your hands are bound. Like your legs aren't bound because they think you're paralysed. But okay. your arms have been bound. And is my sword or my equipment nearby? Yeah, because it, it's all basically just been chucked in the cart with you because they think you're paralysed. So they're like, well, why not? Okay, so could I kind of take my sword out of the scabbard and kind of do that hands behind the back, kind of cutting off the the rope like Mary and Pippin? You most certainly can. Obviously, that's going to take you a little while, so that's what you'll be doing for this round yeah. effectively. But yeah, you start doing that, and you you feel like the rope start to slacken as like you know you're like cutting through it, and the cords are are giving way. So, as that's going on, obviously Wymore's taken his action. So we've still got Brock and Lan. Yeah, I, I think my understanding is we're probably too far away still. For well, Lan's got no sort of range weapon. I've only got a spear. I, I think we're outside that sort of range, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're just uh, just trying to make sure that the cart stays together and um, trying to get a best look at you know what we're facing see if there's uh any more of these creatures and is it, i assume one of them's driving or is it driverless yeah the one at the front is driving yeah so yeah we're just uh we're just trying to get crossing on to get a bit closer so we can pull up by the side of it or um just preparing for okay um no problems if we can't get close enough so we're effectively going on to the the NPCs go. So having seen that a threat is coming up behind them, and you've already taken out one of their men, they are actually going to slow down because they don't appear to have like ranged weapons either. So in order to save having to move everything around, I've effectively just duplicated the map with everything slightly nearer. Cool. So yeah, on their turn they slow down. So that's what the driver's doing. This creature here, if it'll let me tag it, is going to, well, this one here that I'm going to move into the middle is basically going to try and jump across onto your cart as it's slowing down. So, like I say, it doesn't have any ranged weapons itself. So, I'm going to make a roll for that to see whether it manages to make it can jump 1d6 times 3 feet and obviously it needs to get at least 5 which it doesn't so this ghoul goes to jump across the gap misjudges it falls between the two carts and is swiftly left behind you hear it sort of like you see as you look back over your shoulder Brock 
you see it's sort of rising to its feet and like shaking its fists and screaming in impotent rage as it's quickly left behind and s its cries are swallowed up by the keening winds. Okay, on to the next round. What do you guys want to do? Um, Brock, do you want to go first now that there's only the driver left? Um, um, sorry, uh, if I'm free, am I free, John? Yep, me? you are, yep. Um, yeah, Malcolm, of course. So, and then, sorry, this window is in a door, is it? Yeah, there's like a normal door on the side. Yeah, okay. So, um, I guess what I want to try and do is pick up my gear, kick the door open, and try and jump onto the wagon. Okay, um, yeah. So, you kick the door open. Now, the way, the way I'm working this in terms of jumping, as I just rolled for the for the goal when it was jumping from like a standing jump because there's not enough room to take a run up you can jump 1d6 times 3 feet however there are a number of modifiers which are applied afterwards so what's your strength Malcolm? Uh, 13 okay so that's a plus 1 what sort of armour are you wearing? I am wearing leather armour so that's a minus 1 so you've got no modifier at the minute you're not, I presume you're not carrying like scads of treasure on you no, just, just my sword it. and a bow and that's fine. a handful of food. Yeah. So effectively, the modifiers have cancelled out, so you need to just roll a d6, times it by three, and you need to get at least five to cover the gap. Okay. Okay. Yes. So as you guys are sort of drawing level with it, the door on the eastern side of the carriage gets booted open you see Malcolm like still with some like, of his stuff tucked under his arm because he's not a chance to like put it all on and he uh, leaps across into the cart with you guys I should just reach out a big arm and just like secure him as he sort of lands and get him on board yeah no problems okay so you're all in the cart what are you guys doing? As as the driver noticed this, do we think at this point? He's almost yeah. definitely noticed it because Malcolm just oh, kicked yes. over the door and leapt across the gap. So he's, so, he's definitely yeah. going to notice. I'll I'll be bringing up a, a new arrow. Yep. So if if, <laughs> if anyone's got any other plans, it's. <laughs> well, I was I was, was going to say, do we want to just slow down? And get a bit of distance or do we want to try and get rid of him not sure what well, he is slowed down right yes so we Somewhere. probably want to speed up now i mean was there anything else in that wagon did malcolm see anything else in there for any reason to you've not seen you know? like scads of treasure or anything like that the only thing of particular note for you malcolm was as i mentioned you had heard like a muffled fourth voice. So you know there's like a fourth person somewhere on the carriage, but you don't know where or who it is. Okay. So I'll, when I land, I'll call out that there's a fourth creature somewhere that only makes noise at night. Um, and was, it, was the noise coming from under your feet, I ask? Yeah. We encountered one of these uh, 
one of these creatures of the night in one of the carts back at um, the logging camp and it was hidden under the planks of the cart to hide it from the sun. Oh. Now, obviously, and, uh, obviously, because we're like standing around, you guys have been like, yeah. talking a little bit. So why, Mark, you've not been talking? Do you want to take a shot? Or... Yeah. Okay. Not melee. You know, not unless you're playing. I'm like drawing the sun sword and like leaping across. Oh yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. Okay. Five damage. Now this guy isn't at risk of falling off because he's like, sat down on the um, the like foot plate, I suppose you'd call it. The driver's bit. But yeah, you see an arrow thunk into the back of its shoulder, and you hear a scream of pain. Now. On its go again. It's gonna. It's just gonna leave the cart, and it's gonna try and leap across the gap like its fellows did. So d6 times three. So yeah. So it makes it across the gap, and sort of lands in the middle of you guys. Now obviously that's effectively its movement, but since it's leapt. Rather make its full complement of attacks. I'm going to say it can only make a single attack. Since it's effectively in the middle of you four, really, I'm just going to make a quick roll to see which of you it goes for, because it's just like thrashing about with its claws, effectively. So one, so it's going for Weimar. So claw attack. Yep. Okay, so if so, I'm guessing 15 probably hits. Yep. So that's three points of damage. You need to make a paralysis save. Yep. Okay. Nice. So yeah, as it thrashes around, one of its claws scrapes against your arm, and you feel like a small trickle of like warmth running down underneath your furs, but. You do feel that brief sluggishness in your limbs threatening to to lock up, which, considering you're already exhausted, is sort of doubly dangerous. But knowing that, like, oh, if I, if I sort of stop moving in this cold and I fall off the cart, that's probably me done, forces you to, like, you just force your body against all the odds to, like, keep going, and you overcome it. Yeah, so what Weimar is doing is using his longbow, because it's a, it's a big one, because <laughs> he didn't swap weapons. He's using the longbow to keep the thing at bay. Yep. Uh, just trying to like, just keep the hands moving. As long as the hands move, that's, that's good. Indeed. Okay, so on to the next round. So what do you guys want to do? Well, I'm going to um, suggest to the rest of the group, let's, let's try and light up that carriage. Set it on fire. I'll be busy here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah well, why, why am I so like... Kind of a bit busy as he's like fending off this like bull yeah. with its lashing tongue and its claws, well, just like going as, at as I'm yeah, as I'm saying that the, the two handed sword will be coming out and I'll be chopping into that. And uh, I'll, I'll say me and Lan will deal with this this foul creature. Okay, and we'll go to attack it. And yeah. um, I suggest we light that thing up because it. Am I right in saying it? We're still in daylight, you said. Wasn't it? Yeah, you are still in daylight at the moment. I'm tracking the number of rounds. You've got loads of time off. So, um, yeah, light, light the carriage up while it's daylight. And that creature will 
succumb to the sun. Okay, so do you want to do Brock and Lan's attacks on this creature? Yep. It's already injured. It's got like an arrow sticking out of its shoulder from Wyman. Okay, I shall uh, take an attack first. That's me. Uh, four damage. Okay. So it sways dangerously close to the edge of the carriage. So nearly falling off. But it still it manages to grab hold of the edge and it's holding itself on as Lan launches herself in. Yeah. Unfortunately, as she does so with one of its long hands, it sort of like smashes her across the face, not causing any damage, just about the flat of its hand forcing her back. It's still just about clinging onto life, but you can see it's like it's literally holding itself up using the side of your cart. There's like blood flowing freely from it. From the vicious wound that you've inflicted on it. Okay, Malcolm and Wymore, what are you up to? I would like to light a torch. Okay. And have we slowed down as well? Is the wagon still near us? Yeah, you're sort of keeping pace with each other at the minute. Okay, so I'd like to light a torch and throw it in through the open door. Okay. And yeah. hope to catch the sack on fire. Okay, yeah, make, make a ranged attack roll. You only need to get 10 or more because you're just trying to lob it through the door. Uh, that looks good. Yeah. Yep, so you sort of like, as you can hear the clashing of Lan and Brock's weapons and this creature snarling, as like there's a brief opening in the swirling melee that's engulfing this fairly small cart. You see a gap as you light your torch. You hurl it through the gap. It sails through the air into the cart, the carriage opposite to you. And you hear this sort of like the inside as some bits of it catch fire. So yeah, it has okay. caught light, which will obviously spread as the rounds go on. Yeah. So, um, so Brock and, and Lan have uh, done some horrendous damage to this creature. Yeah, I presume it's, it's not menacing dead. me right now. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> so I'll um, sling the longbow over, over one shoulder. Uh, get, I have two flasks of uh, lamp oil. Get get one of them. Trying to chuck it in the in the uh, the, the, the wagon <laughs> cart, rather. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So again, roll a d twenty for your range attack. You only need a ten. There we go. Yep, so following Malcolm's example, you hurl your lamp after it and you hear the smash of glass as it sails through the door and sort of spreads the fire. Now, I'm basically going to make a like a D6 roll uh, to the, at the start of each round and anything but a one, the fire is going to spread. Because like, the, the carriage is made of wood, albeit it's a bit damp because it's been in the snow and whatever. So there's that, but there's very little chance the fire's not going to spread. Okay, so... 
that's all you guys gone so it's the creature it's going to attack Brock because he's like seems to be the main threat at the moment so okay so it's getting its full complement of attacks now because it's not like leaping anymore so first of all two claw attacks no No. And it's final bite attack. No. Okay, so this this sort of half dead raggedy ass ghoul is trying to like get a grip and find purchase on your your muscly figure, Brock. And you're literally just like pushing it away and just like face palming it away every time it comes near. Just like no, no. No, you barely even have to use your weapon. It's, it's so weak because it's like nearly dead. But somehow it's sort of unholy, sort of clinging to life. But for how much longer, I expect, until you guys have your actions in this round. So we go on to the next round. Over to you guys. I'm going to make a quick roll to see whether the fire spreads. Anything but one. Yeah, so the fire has spread a little bit more. Let Lan take a swing at this this creature while I'm fending it off. Oh, she misses. So I shall step in and also swing at it. Oh, terrible. Okay, so you both go to swing at this creature, but somehow, despite the fact it's like nearly dead and it's just clinging on with its sort of claws to to, lo to what passes as a life in its manner, it's somehow almost with a sort of like drunken monk style with it swaying and half falling. It's very difficult to predict where it's going to go next and neither of you is able to get a blow on it as the blaze continues to spread in the carriage that's riding alongside you. We're not used to these confined spaces. So Wamar and Malcolm. What do you want to do? Do you want to go first? Um, no, I was thinking let's let's keep to the order that we did last time, so you go. If you okay. want to. Uh, cool. So I would like to shoot this horse, the lead horse of on the uh, carriage. Yeah, that is not a problem. Uh, what's that? It's a 17 for two points. Okay, yep. So you have hit this horse. You see the, the, the arrow sink into one of its flanks. However, it is still going. Like you can see like a little thin rivulet of blood matting its coat running down from where the arrow sticks into it. Why am I? Uh, I suppose I'll 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 pull out the sun sword and uh, try and fence the ghoul. Okay. So here it goes. Yeah. Yeah. 
okay uh, that'll do it so brock and lan as you're sort of getting ready to sort of weather whatever next attack this creature can sort of throw against you in its lumbering half dead state why more would you like to describe how you dispose of it so <clears throat> let's see how are we located here uh so i suppose because it's, it's kind of doing like uh, uh on both sides <laughs> with, with uh broken plan so it, it's not paying attention to what's going on behind it so it's uh it's a shot of uh, from the front, the ghoul is just like barely holding on, and the sun sword like bursts through the chest as uh, my just like lunges forward, maybe being bumped by the the cart's movements. So, like, Ugh! and um, yeah, it, it as the sun sword is wont to do, uh, the ghoul just disintegrates from the the chest down. <laughs> Indeed, it does. And as you're sort of your carts are still racing forward as it's consumed by the holy fires of the sun sword. Basically, all that's left of its body is like this pile of ash that is quickly swept away by the movement of your cart and sort of disappears off, leaving like an ashen trail behind you. Looking across to the, your left, all of you, you can see the cart, the carriage that's riding next to you, the flames are now starting to like lick out the doors and sort of come up through the gaps in the planks onto the actual roof of the carriage. What do you want to do? Is there any sign of any sort of creature inside the carriage that may have come you, out from... You've not seen any further signs of life other than the, the goals. Okay. Um. Are there, do the wheels have spokes or are they like a solid? They're like the solid wooden wheels with like metal wheels. strips along them. Okay. And what, what's in the distance? Is it still just like open glassier? Yeah, it's it's open glassiers. In the very far distance, you can see that the it sort of starts to rise up into jagged, snow-covered, mountainous peaks. But that's like in the far distance. So that's some way away. Yeah. How close to darkness is it? Let's see. So around's like ten seconds. You think you've maybe got a minute, maybe two. Like literally, like the la as you're sort of like looking around, like now you've not got to concentrate on like ghouls in your midst and whatever. The light is already starting to fade. You're in the sort of last dying embers of the daylight. Like say you've maybe got just over a minute. So do we want to get away from this thing if this creature comes out, if if there is a creature inside? Or do we want to stay and make sure that we deal with it? Because at the moment there's no threat to us. But yeah. Do we want to watch, watch what happens and see if this fire does enough damage? Yeah, very don't swift. Wanna... So I don't think there's a, a chance of us making a way no regardless definitely we don't wait for darkness i think we either yeah okay um, can i shoot the horse again yeah go for it get, try and get stopped what's what's is it a solid wooden wagon john yeah, did you much, say yeah. so it's got walls and everything yes, so, yeah 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 uh, 
that's three more is that enough to down it now it's not enough to down it but it, it is sort of racking up the injuries has it slowed down at all it has started to slow because as i say you've basically been like aiming for like the flanks and like the muscle mass of the creature so it is okay. starting to slow down a little bit which is sort of like the back of the carriage is starting to go like that a little bit because obviously one horse is going at full gallop the other's starting to slow so it's like sort of skidding around a little bit as it's moving and now smoke is billowing out of it flames are, are fully like engulfing the the roof now they're licking out of the windows as thick plumes of black smoke billowing up and sort of trailing away into the distance as it goes then as you're all sort of like watching this fiery inferno of a cart you hear a loud boom and something long about six foot long maybe five foot wide sort of oblong of metal drops out from under the carriage and sort of like starts disappearing off behind you as like obviously you guys are still going forward i'm gonna dive off at that point yeah me too okay yeah that's absolutely fine we, we won't really worry about the map for this point uh, i'm gonna say Make me a dex roll, both of you. See whether you take like a few sort of hit points of damage. You're leaping off a moving carriage. It's yep. not going to be massive, massive even if you do, but don't forget if you've got exhaustion levels, you'll be at a penalty. But that's fine. It's not going to matter yep, with that. Still may do with that one, yeah. Okay, so the two of you leap off. You don't take any damage. You manage to land in like soft bits of snow. Obviously, if you want to land to jump off, you need to make a roll for her as well. Um... No, I probably I probably would have left her on there because I know how dangerous these things are, and I think, yeah, okay. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have encouraged her to do it. So what I'm effectively going to do, and this is just for like ease and not having to use another map, I'm just going to move Brock and Malcolm to the back here. Just to re now, obviously, the carts are continuing moving forward, so you'll be like getting left behind. But, you know, it's just to save having to, like, jump between two maps, basically. Yeah, it's fine. So, yeah, you guys, by the time you jump off, because obviously the carts are going forward, I mean, it's only, like, a few moments, but, like, you've already, like, left the sort of, like, the metal box a little bit of the ways behind. So, you know, you've probably got, like, a, a metre or two to, like, jog to, like, get to where it is. Yeah. You think you've... So, you look, being, like, very in tune with, like, nature, both of you, and being used to like tracking movements by the sun and the stars and stuff like that the two of you sort of glance upwards almost like instinctively at the same time as you're both sort of jogging towards this this metallic oblong and you you estimate you've probably got less than a minute now there's literally just the tiniest little speck of the sun you can see in like the most pallid feeble amount of daylight that's like flickering over the horizon yeah uh, and as we're running towards it, is it fully metal box? It, yeah, or? it's an entirely metal wooden box. You can see that it appears to be made out of very thick iron or some sort of similar metal. It's like riveted, so it's made out of metal panels and like riveted together. It, for instance, it looks like it's been sealed, so it's like airtight, watertight, whatever. It's a, it's a big, heavy lid for want of a better term on top of it you can't see any obvious like massive padlock or chains or anything like that securing it yeah well i'll just as we're you know running towards i would just say 
Malcolm, help me get the lid off as quick as possible. And I'm just going to put all my muscle into trying to lift this lid off. Yeah, and I'll do the same. Okay, no problems. So, what I'm going to ask is, can you can you both make me an open door roll? Open door. It's on your abilities tab. All right. Oh, there it is. Sorry. Oh, that didn't work. I'll just roll a d6, shall I? No, I've only got a two. Okay, so you're both sort of starting to work at it, but it's like been very securely riveted. Now, there's nothing to stop you trying again. It's just obviously, can you open it before the sun goes down? I mean, mm -hmm. you've basically got like, I've seen game terms, I mean, you wouldn't know this exactly, but you've effectively got like two rounds, like 20 seconds before the, the sun goes down. But before we get to your next roll, I'm going to ask like Weimar, you and Lan, and obviously Krosnon are still on the the cart. The carriage is like fully aflame now, like bits of it are dropping off and sizzling as they're landing in the snow. Um, the horse that Malcolm shot, it's, you think he's probably like, caused it to go lame with his like shots because as it's been running basically the axis it's not able to pull the arrows out they've just been sort of like working their way further into like its flank and it's really starting to slow down it's starting to get that odd sort of like limping gait in like one of its back legs so the cart is starting to slow down and it's literally just like a fireball with like two horses pulling it now and plumes of black choking smoke rising up into the sky yeah i um I'd be saying to Croslan that we need to turn around. Croslan's like, right, right you are. And he starts turning. Obviously, he's having to take like a fairly wide like turning yep. circle because you're on ice, etc. But he starts turning the cart around. And he'll obviously be heading back towards where your yep. fellows are. Yep. So, effectively, next round, if you guys want to attempt opening the the box again you can do yeah I think that's probably the best option oh nice uh, Brock's struggling with exhaustion at the minute indeed he is okay however just as you're sort of starting to despair of ever getting this open Brock you hear like a <clears throat> as Malcolm manages to prize this lid off. However, it is like a solid... So, so you basically opened it, but it's like a big solid chunk of metal. So I'm going to ask each of you to make a strength roll now to see if you can literally lift it up and move it. Because it's like deliberately designed to be heavy, so it can't easily just be thrown off. Yep. I've got plus four to that as well, haven't I? I didn't do that. When you roll a one, you don't necessarily do oh, that. <laughs> yeah, so I'm putting everything into it, regardless of exhaustion. <laughs> so between the two of you, you heave this lid off. And as you do, you see another one of these vampiric creatures, its mouth stained with blood, arms crossed across its chest, lying in this metal coffin. As the 
the sunlight starts to stream in it starts to hiss and steam however it's nothing like the one you previously destroyed in this way brought because the sunlight's nowhere near as strong however yep. i effectively have to make like a death save each round for this creature or it disintegrates you've got like two rounds of daylight left so for the first one i'm going to make it save okay so it succeeds so despite the fact it's like it's steaming and hissing and its flesh is bubbling it's not like burnt to a crisp no doubt due to the the sort of pallid feeble nature of the daylight now it basically launches itself upwards out of this coffin its intent presumably to like deal with you two and then get back in the coffin and pull the lid on or just to deal with you two and hope it can survive the daylight but you guys get to go first. Basically, it's spending its round sort of launching itself out, so it's not going to get to attack this round. Uh, so that's nine points of damage from okay, the yeah. Sword of Respect. Ah, oh, poor. I'm sure 11 don't hit it. It does not. However, the sword of respect cleaves into its undead flesh, and you're rewarded when, like, so like a hiss of steam escapes from the rent you have opened in the, the fairly sort of, I suppose scantily clad's not the right word, but you know you guys are wearing like thick furs and stuff like that, whereas it doesn't care about the cold, so it's like clad in like just like basic clothing, not even like your normal cold weather gear. Okay, so on to the next round, it needs to make another death save. which it succeeds at as the last of the daylight fades away so now it will get to attack this turn so effectively we're going to do initiative so does one of you guys want to roll a d6 I'll roll one for the vampire and we'll see who gets to go first yeah. Okay. I'm on a mighty two I'm on a mighty two okay so we're going simultaneously so you guys do yours first but obviously even if you kill it it will still get to attack it's all happening at the same time Okay. And we're basically assuming that anyone can hit anyone at the minute because you're all like close in. Yeah, that's six points of damage for me. Yep, so the Sword <sighs> of Respect f flashes out again. Rocky's having all sorts of trouble. Well, it, he is pretty exhausted, to be fair. Yep. He's not exactly at his best, but the Sword Just of Respect stumbling. is cleaving through it. Okay, so I'm going to make an attack for this creature and it gets the one attack i'm going to roll to see which of you had attacks because you're all sort of in amongst it so one to three brock otherwise malcolm okay so it's brock so it's That's an easy hold. target <laughs> well yeah you are you are you are quite a large target yeah so a slow one in a minute it lashes out with its gnarled fingernails and probably ultimately fails to hit you with that roll oh it's close yeah, that, that's not too bad for saying I, I rolled fairly poorly, but uh, yeah, yeah, eighteen in it. It lashes out with its claws and like tears a chunk of your furs away as it hisses at you. The steam that was rising from it starting to die down and fade to nothing as the last of the daylight fades away. So we go on to the next round. One of you guys want to roll for initiative again? And on the next round after this. 
why am I the cart will have turned around and you'll be able to enter the combat if you wish okay so it's the vampire going first so again I'll roll one to three Brock or as Malcolm okay so it's going for Malcolm so touch attack yeah perhaps perhaps uh, put off its stride by exposure to daylight it lashes out wildly but with fairly little sort of thought as to where it's aiming its attacks and with your typical sort of elven grace you are easily able to like outmaneuver it you're not like jumping off snow drifts and evade its attacks it's over to you guys okay so i'll swing again Uh, 17's a hit, is it? That's exactly what you need to hit it. So that's six more. Okay, now, so we're, now we're coming. Oh, yeah. Once again, the Sword of Respect stabs out and finds the creature's undead flesh. Then Brock comes wading in with his double-hander, swings it around, and actually that slices off one of the creature's arms. It sort of stumbles back, hissing. You can see blood just dribbling in a strange oozing emotion from the stump of one of its arms okay so the creatures obviously already done its thing so in this round i'm going to move weimar and lan in because the the cart sort of comes rumbling up crosnon screeches it to a stop weimar and lan can like jump out obviously it's slowed down so you don't take any damage does one of you guys want to roll for initiative and I will roll for the vampire I'm a mighty one four for us okay so you guys first I should go first yeah, yeah you can yeah Ooh. that is a miss it is okay Oh, we'll leave it. We'll leave it for Weimar to. Uh... <laughs> so Dev keeps to got Lan as well. So finish him off. So Weimar, well, um, how far am I? Because I am very slow at the minute. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, obviously I've not moved the cart. There's, but Crosnos literally like screeched the the cart to a stop, like right next to where this is going on. So you can literally so, just jump out and you're there. Yeah. So I'm gonna fall off the cart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Um. Yeah, presumably undead, John. Right? Yes, very much so. It's <laughs> gonna go out on a limb and say it, it, it's sort of like the poster child for undead. Oh man. <laughs> okay, no. so d despite the um the blazing light of the sun sword, <laughs> you're unable to land a blow on it. We still got Lamb left though. So Brock, if you want to make your roll for Lamb. Yeah, I'm not sure she can hit it. Um. But she will take a swing at it, nevertheless, because she probably wouldn't know that. Um, I'm not sure that'll hit anyway. No. Okay, so against all the odds, this creature has survived. Okay. So, let's just have a quick look. So, as it's sort of fending off these blows from you 
it lets out a loud undulating howl and you hear nearby what sound like other like a strange sort of chittering noise answering it and as you sort of look up you see in the darkness sort of approaching your position what appear to be like large leathery winged shapes like fluttering towards your position however because it's because that's its speech effectively it's still going to get to do a touch attack i'm just going to roll a d4 to see who it attacks because you're all sort of in this swirling mass of people so let's see one two three so it's brock okay so touch attack against brock I'm sure you're all glad that my rolls are being typically amazing. <laughs> so, yeah, so it flails around in what seems to be like almost it's a dying gasp, but it doesn't manage to land the blow on you. So, we're on to initiative again, guys. Okay, here it goes. So, oh. That's a mighty three for me. Yeah, three for me. Okay, so we're simultaneous again. So, obviously, you guys do your do yours first and then I'll do it but like I say it's all actually happening at the same time okay and that looks like a dead vampire okay yeah that will be enough to take it beyond zero HP however obviously it will still get its attacks because we're going simultaneously so I'm going to roll a, a d4 see if it's going to attack One, two, so it's going for Lan. Would the garlic make any difference for Lan? Is Lan carrying garlic? Yeah, she's the only one that's got garlic, okay. I think. Queen which case, got one. I will ignore her from that, so it'll be you it's attacking instead. Because it okay. will like it will be repelled by that, so it won't go near I've Lan. got garlic too. Oh, is it oh, oh was it Weimar, was it? Sorry. I think Weimar and Lan have got some garlic to be fair. Oh right, I didn't know. Yeah, so it's just, it it's just Brock and Malcolm then, so it's Brock it's going for. Oh, probably not like that wrong. No, not quite. 16, so no. So yeah, it flails at you again. And as it's sort of repelled from Weimar and land by the pungent garlic they're carrying, then Harp leaps in, stabs it cleanly through the chest with its with his sword of respect. The thing immediately like dissolves into a faint cloud of mist, which is quite difficult to see in the dark the mist sort of rolls back into the the metal box and the lid goes back onto the metal box i'm i'm gonna try and prize it open <laughs> okay it, it's not a matter of prizing it open it's just have you got the yeah. strength to like lift it so make a strength check uh, can i help yeah make a strength check what, what's happening with the bats while this is going on john they're, they're still are they coming? They're, they're still sort of getting nearer. However, as this this creature like disperses into mist, the bats seem to just start dispersing, like they're no longer being like drawn to your location. Okay. I'm just going to go onto the cart, make sure Krosnov, Krosnov, um, Krosnov, sorry, is okay in case they do decide to come. Yeah, he's fine. You can see he's like he's basically like loading like a metal ball bearing into like his flintlock. And sort of getting it ready to like cover you guys, or like maybe like throw it to one of you guys in case yeah. you like need it. 
Okay, so the two of you throw the the lid off this coffin, and inside this metal coffin, you can see what appears to be this shapeless, amorphous cloud of mist, and very slowly it's becoming like more solid. And after like a few moments, you can see like the translucent outline of like the creature as it's like starting to reform itself. So, what happens if I try and stab it? Yeah, it just passes through the mist. So I'll 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 take the sun sword, um, reverse grip, and and like just hammer it into the middle of the outline. Okay. Nothing. Yeah, doesn't do anything. Oh. Um, uh, in that there's... case, Malcolm, um, I've got like four garlic. I'll take one garlic. And I'll like smash it as as good as I can. Toss it in. Close the box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you grab this. Obviously, like take the garlic off your character sheet. Yeah. You you mash up this like garlic. Like the juices are like running down your hand as you like quickly like just like pulp it with with a mighty lone grove fist. You hurl it like some sort of fragrant grenade into the coffin, shaking off the like garlic juices into the coffin. Then between you and Malcolm, you like throw the lid back on it. At first, nothing happens. Then you you sort of hear and you smell this sort of like odd sort of like sizzling, you know, like if you've burnt something in the oven coming from inside the box. And you hear this like high-pitched sort of like, almost like the witch out of Wizard of Oz when she gets water thrown on her sort of scream coming from inside the box. And then it's like, yeah! I'll, I'll like I've tossed myself over yeah, the lid. The box like, is like, <laughs> like, like stand, put put one put one leg on me. Yeah, you, you all jump on it, and after like a few minutes of the the box stops moving, and this scream like it's like fades away into into nothingness, and the box stops moving. Okay, I'm gonna slide off now. And I'm, we're, we're going to try, Malcolm, stick the swords back in again. Uh, whatever the mess is in there, we need to stab it. Okay. To make sure. Okay, so... <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to open the grill, John. Yeah. <laughs> Between all of you guys, you, you heave the metal lid off again. And inside there is just like a thin coating of like powdery ash and like some scorch marks. You can see like the sort of blackened like remnants of this like garlic pulp that you'd thrown into the coffin and sort of sitting at the head of this this metallic coffin it's just like the skull like missing the lower jaw of this vampire with like its long fangs extended just like the top of its skull this bleached white bone sort of shining out as the lights reflected off the snow around it um, yeah, I'll I'll be holding up the the sun sword and looking at Malcolm. I was like, do 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 you think it'll come back, or should I break the skull? Uh, definitely break the skull. Yeah, so I'll just overhead. Okay, as you lift the sword up, you're about to bring it down, mm. and suddenly the skull like floats up into the air in front of you, and you see like pinpricks of like glowing red light coming from inside the dark abyss of the eye sockets of the skull and it a even though it has no mouth or vocal cords with which to speak 
a deep rumbling voice booms out from its direction and after a few moments you will realize that like you're actually hearing the voice in your mind it's not like making a sound and this deep rumbling voice says you've managed to kill my seneschal impressive um aside from the voice are there any other effects can i do i have control of my body yeah it's not it's not like paralyzed you i'll 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 baseball bat it with the sun sword <laughs> yeah the sun, the sun sword cleaves it in twain the the two halves of the skull like drop back into the the metal box and like break into brittle fragments as they do however like the voice still coming from the same place which like the space where the skull was so i've i've already like started like reverse grip again I'm, I'm gonna start like stabbing the fragments of the skull when i realize the voice is coming from the air and i just stopped <laughs> and i was like oh it wasn't yeah it that, wasn't the skull the, the deep voice continues like, almost so it's not noticed that you're like yeah. in the skull <laughs> the voice is just like still it is no matter I um yeah I'm gonna if if Rock is is Anan and the rest are are nearby it's like do you hear this as well? Witchcraft in my head are here. I was gonna say yeah Brock you're like bad mojo like sensors are like go do it over time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he'd be holding his head, trying to sort of get control of his mind. And as the voice continues, you get it's difficult to describe how, but like you get the impression that like whatever's speaking is sort of like turned towards Malcolm, which is ridiculous because there's nothing there. Yeah. But you sort of get that like <laughs> mental impression. And the voice says Why do you travel with these these moon apes, forest cat, with their crude behaviour? After all, you were our greatest achievement when we raised you from the ashes your race was raised highest of all and yet you travel with these primitive apes my travel companions are none of your business I say out loud is it not the business of every parent to to know what their children are doing if this is your seneschal, you are no parent of mine. I'll wander over and just like take the garlic and like just press it into Malcolm's <laughs> chest, <laughs> like, experimentally. Just, I, I don't know how this works. <laughs> yeah, N- nothing happens in the uh, apart from like Malcolm gets like a garlicky patch on his chest. Uh, the the voice says it almost like it sounds like a little bit amused. It's like, that won't accomplish anything. I am not actually here. Physically, I am very far from you. How far? In which direction? We'd love to come and visit. Oh, and you would be most welcome. Forest cat in the white city to the north. Amongst the glittering peaks, ah. if you seek to visit me, 
I would not stop you. And again, the voice sounds faintly amused. After all, given what I sacrificed for the, the younger races, it has been far too long since I have had any conversation with them. You would think a little bit of gratitude, but perhaps that is too much to expect. Perhaps. Um, how far north do, do we know this location? Okay, let me just, let me just yoink myself onto the map so I can actually check. Is this turned into a private sort of conversation? No, no, you, this... you can all hear it. Oh, we're still all hearing it, are we? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so. Okay, so the voice says, if you travel north for four days, you will reach the Shining Mountains the white city and my throne lie within. Okay. I think at that point, Brock would be getting land onto the cart and uh, preparing to turn this thing around and head home. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And hoping the others will join him shortly. At which um, point, mentally, you all get the idea that like, whatever is speaking to you has now turned towards Weimar. And it says, And how are you finding wielding my old sword? Very difficult. I'm, an, I'm a yeoman by trade. You are not a, a solar knight, then? <clears throat> well, sometimes. <laughs> Listen, I... You have blood on your hands. Surely amongst this group, even if that is the case, and I do not deny it, I am far from the only one. There's... Differences in scale. And scales I'm looking to rebalance. The, the scales of the younger races do not apply to one such as I. I'll find more weights. I would think that after all I did that I would at least be owed a little. After all, did I not found the Order of Solar Knights to help protect your younger races? And was I not the first wielder of one of the God Blades that holds within it the light of the rising sun, the blade that you yourself now wield? And what have you done recently? 
since I am confined to the White City. Very little. Hmm. I chose... And your seneschal? Your, your little <laughs> attack dogs? Well, I am confined to the White City. That was the sacrifice I made for your kind. But they... Well, they are not. Although they are very much lesser than myself. Boredom, is it? And I'll, I'll like, take a swipe at the air where the presence is. <laughs> like, you do this out of boredom? And uh, Wymore, while still exhausted, is working up a rage now. Shivering in the wind. <laughs> Swiping with the sword. <laughs> Not solely out of boredom, there are. My plans have been laid for over many years to this this land of Valconan, even though it now has a a short summer, a break in the eons long winter, it is a a dead land, sparsely populated, but through the minds of my children, I am aware of other lands, far more richer lands across the seas. I would see myself free and move to those lands to found such a kingdom that would make the other ancients, were they still here, weep with envy. You'll find a lot of nice there. Good. And competition when it comes to sucking blood out of people. Metaphorically. <laughs> I'll, I'll take another swipe at the air. I assure you there is nothing metaphorical about my plans. As I say, they've been laid across eons with many different moving parts. But to one such as myself, it is it is easy to manipulate simpler and lesser races. Easy to find a man dying in the cold and to cause him to cross paths with another of the god blades knowing that it will consume his mind or for instance to ensure that a an item of power falls into the clutches of a power hungry man who believes it will make him mighty a beast of legend and will give him rulership of Valconan. Greedy Why, people. though? Why any of this? Because when my plans have come to fruition, I will be free to leave the White City. I will be free to travel across the seas to these richer lands. And there I will build my kingdom. And it will be an eternal kingdom. I'll think at the sword. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll think at it. Can you hear this speech 
and can you reach into the person behind it? In your mind, the, the sword says, uh, yes, I can hear it, but I'm, I'm only hearing an echo of it because I'm connected to you. I, I, I'm not hearing it myself. It's, it's not, whoever this is, it's not trying to speak to me and it's not speaking in a way I would normally be able to, to sense, but I'm, I can hear it because you can hear it. Can you tell where it's coming from? Well, as the as the creature is saying, it appears to be coming from the north, but but a, a very long way away. Um, I, if you wish, and I, I should warn you this. I, I have not attempted this before. There may be some danger. I can see if I can use my abilities to to sense anything further about the speaker. Oh. Well, we are well beyond that now, so please. <laughs> okay, roll me a d6. There go. That's a one. Okay. So, for the rest of you guys, you see Weimar sort of like looking down at his sword. And you reckon you guys have, have seen him like <laughs> mentally talking. You know what he's doing. You know he's like conversing mentally with the, the sun sword. So he sort of looks down, he's concentrating on it. Thank you, you. He's concentrating on it. And then the sort of the scenery around you seems to sort of go hazy and it blurs around you. And then sort of it's not solid, but almost like a sort of hazy, transparent outline that's like overlaid on the scene around, you know, like a almost like a hologram to use like modern terms you suddenly find yourself surrounded by this almost like a throne room but like the angles of all the the architecture seem wrong there's a, it's almost like a sort of halfway between like a a medieval palace and like a, a sort of aztec style stepped pyramid but like every time you try and like work out it's almost like an escher painting every time you try and work out like how it all fits together it's as though your mind can't fully conceive it and at the far end of the room, like on this, what looks like a throne with like sort of encrusted with ice, there's like icicles hanging down it. There's like skulls carved into the throne. Sits this eight foot tall figure. It has dark blue skin. It's wearing almost like Egyptian style clothing with like frost covering its skin and its face, its clothing. It's sort of like looking down like where you are. It's not moving its mouth. You can see it's got sort of odd like tattoos all over its face. It looks very much like some of the statues you guys have seen with like the blue pigment on of like the ancient ones. But it's got this weird sort of it's like that sort of drawn sort of hollow look to it. And it appears to be barely moving as it sat there. It's like icicles like hanging off it as though it's been motionless for a countless amount of time. And it's literally like froze to the spot. And it's about looking down directly like where you're standing in the middle of this mirage. Behind it, on the sort of wall behind the throne, you can see almost what appears to be like a crack, like a jagged tear in the wall. And just like beyond this crack, it's just like pure darkness. Like so dark that like it just seems to absorb all the light around. The 
the figure doesn't move as it sort of looks at you and this this hazy transparency of like illusion like shifts and flickers occasionally and the the voice says well that was unexpected like the figure doesn't move it's just sat there almost like frozen can we all see him or just yeah Weimar? you can all see it it's like this illusion's been like overlaid on the like surroundings around you Do you have a name, Ancient? When I walked among the younger races, my name was Brondralat. But to most now, I am known as the King of Blood. I was one... I am the last of the ancients who remained behind for my love of the younger races when my race left this place and so great was my love of them that when the the ancient mages traveled to the white city to try and seal in what lay below the ice i traveled with them And in the end, as their magics failed and the presences from the dimensions beyond started to burst free, I sacrificed myself, knowing that the mages, once these presences were given form in me, would be able to bind me to the White City. At the time, it seemed just and it seemed the right thing to do but now I know it to be foolishness having seen what they did to accomplish their aims but the reason I speak to you now there is no need for us to be enemies after all you seek to survive in Valconan and I seek to leave Valconan there is no reason we should be opposed I feel we are opposed on principle Principles, dangerous things. Perhaps. For instance, I have seen powerful, noble, mighty ancient mages secure in their belief that they were doing the right thing to save their world, summon a great ice age which killed so many of the people they sought to save and in pursuit of what they did I have seen them drag a child a prodigy they they called it forward and sacrifice this child to their hungry magics because they believed what they were doing was right 
so anything they did in pursuit of it, no matter how grisly, no matter how bloody and barbaric, must also be right because it was in a good cause. But you say we are opposed on principle. Perhaps if you were to speed my release, I could leave a Valconan all the more sooner. And my long plans, which unfortunately may result in harm to some, would no longer be necessary. I feel that that would not be to the benefit of people in Rosaline. And what do you care for them? After all, when the summer comes, if what you are thinking and what the people you have associated with think is true, will they not seek to come here and take what you have fought so hard to gain? And besides, surely better them than you. I, I guess that is where we oppose on principle. The fate that you would bestow upon those people is far worse than they would bestow upon us should things not go our way when the summer comes. Ah, yes, the the fate of life eternal, truly a terrible thing. Mm. But as I say, I am, if I am terrible, in your view, then it is because I am the product of terrible things done by people who believed they were right. People who would even bargain with the ancient she-lords of winter to achieve their great works because they would be seen as saviors they would be the resurrectors of their people they would see Valconan safe even if it meant destroying the vast majority of it and forcing the people to either cling to the, the ice like savage refugees or flee aboard ramshackle boats and rafts what do you know of the smoking mirror and the darkness they feared I know a great deal after all I was there mm -hmm. when they when they came to the white city and they built it and they delved into the ice and the mountains using their magics to call forth the very stones to build this great city they found I suppose you would call it a thin place a place where the walls that separate our world and the demonic chaos beyond is so thin that you could almost reach across it and their magics had disturbed it 
they realized too late that a great beast was being freed by their meddlings. They summoned us all as they began their great workings. As I say, they bargained with the Prince of Winter, the Cold Prince. They dragged their prodigy forward, sacrificing the soul of an innocent to power their magics. And they bound that presence into me and confined me here, since they could not force it back, merely seal the hole. And he, you see sort of like its hand moves and it like almost creaks as though it hasn't moved for years. Frost sort of falling off it, icicles clattering to the ground and it extends a finger and like points at the crack in the wall behind it. And since that day have I been confined here. And what will happen to the tin place when you leave the White City? The, the, the breach is sealed. The I suppose at least the Senna did that right, even though their ways of doing so were horrible and even caused me pause. But by then, the creature was free, and the only way they could bind it, since it was formless, was to confine it to a body that they could trap in the White City. And as the, the strongest soul amongst them, I was put forth as the vessel for this entity. And since then, we have both remained here. Does the entity exist within you still? Oh, yes. Oh. And what does, what does the entity want to do? The entity itself is formless a demon of chaos it, it is impulse it wants for nothing it is only when it simply acts without thought however when it is confined within a host it bestows certain benefits I suppose the best way I can describe it is when one of these entities is put into you it carves out a piece of your soul which dies and the creature pours itself into the hole and left behind and you are as you were and yet different and over the years I have discovered that there are ways I can pass on a small amount of this essence into lesser vessels giving them a pale shadow of the power I possess and a few trifles that the younger races crave immortality strength beauty the ability to fascinate others such trifles that men desire and because they are lesser they are not confined as I am and at my bidding they can slip out 
into the night unseen and work my will. It seems the entity has corrupted your soul. It's a very crude way of putting it, but I would say more the the entity now is my soul. I'm sure perhaps if you spoke to your friend Cotton Nickel, he could perhaps explain it better. Although you'll be, and again, it's you get it's sort of like. Even though the figure doesn't move, I would just like lower and it's hanging at the thing that like turns towards like Weimar and Brock. And it says, although if it pleases you, you may know that he was as good as his word and he has traveled very, very far from your village as the last guttering candle flame of his mortal soul guttered and died. He cast himself far away hoping that he would be of no danger to your new seal of land. But as I have said, if you wish to come and visit me in the White City, of course I would be happy to extend hospitality to you all. Although I should warn you that the... Although the breach is sealed, they have a way of twisting the space and the area around them. To the unprepared mind, the effect can be unsettling. Of course, if you were to, I don't for one moment think you will accept this, but if you were to wish a place in my new kingdom, I'm sure one could be made for you. We have our own kingdom. Thank you very much. Oh yes, I've seen. Mm -hmm. But even though you're one-legged companion is crude there must be something of worth within him or the god blade would not have chosen and allowed him to wield it well i suppose that's something that you also have if this is your sword Indeed, I was the first chosen to wield it when it was shattered from the other two blades. Back in the days when I believed that your younger races might 
rise above the the crude beasts that we raised you from. Well, I suppose we'll have something to talk about if we ever meet. Compare notes. Indeed. In the meantime, there is because only... you've all but said it. Uh, if if it's going to talk, I'll I'll yeah. share. So, there. Aside from my freedom, there is only one other thing I seek, and that is someone strong enough in mind and magical prowess to to house the Empress of Blood. After all, does not every king need a queen? Someone strong and powerful. Maybe perhaps a a mother missing their child. Are you not a little bit beyond these concerns? Are you still base enough in your deranged grandeur to desire such a thing? Not in the manner in which you so amusingly portray it but my existence thus far has been a lonely one and my children whilst they are useful they are not my equals if i were to rule a kingdom i would seek to have an equal and opposite with me Immortality can be dreadfully tedious when one is the only immortal. Unless you, of course, you you count those immortals that masquerade as deities, which I do not. You have mentioned the other swords. Ah, yes. The green blade and the night sword. You've, you've put the night sword into the hands of someone we know. I simply arranged for a, a man who was beaten, robbed, was dying in the snow none of which I caused. I merely took advantage of that to cause this desperate dying man to cross paths with the night blade, knowing that in his desperate state he would seek to wield it. Oh yes, it's, it's, it's mighty noble of you to only curse the mugged man. I never claimed to be noble. Well, I suppose that is the burden of emperors. Nothing noble comes out of such titles. Perhaps. 
what conceivable use is this man? As I have said, when I seek to found my kingdom, as well as an equal to myself, I will require lieutenants, soldiers, all of the things that a kingdom normally requires. And this person, now wielding the night blade, as they call on it more, they will grow more powerful. And as is the case with your races, the more powerful they become, the more power they will desire. And at a certain point, when he can go no further, he will turn to me to bring him over into my world. And I will reach out my hand and embrace him as a brother. And he will become more powerful and lead my armies to sweep aside those who would oppose my new kingdom. Similar plans for me? Perhaps. What I need soldiers, people who obey my will without question, I can have in abundance. But people of a true power capable of acting on their own initiative for the good of the kingdom and people capable of wielding such power are few and far between but I will need such people to found the kingdom for all my power I cannot be everywhere at once rather like the the immortals that your elven friend mistakenly worships. I am not a god. I think the distinction might be a little too fine for us to see from down here. I could see how that would be the case. But there is only what there is only one god, and there has only ever been one god. And he was broken so long ago why talk to us at all you already arranged I presume or at least claim to be uh, behind the the discovery of the sun sword the fact that we are here you drew us here with one of your minions I my apologies, but I must correct you. I had no part to play in your finding of the Sun Sword. I manipulated events concerning the Night Blade, but for obvious reasons, the Sun Sword is somewhat beyond my remit. Again, your plans are moving. Why, why draw us here? Why talk? Originally, because your elven friend crossed paths with some of my children, and I was curious. Back when we first raised 
His people from beasts, we raised them higher than any other, and I was always fond of the forest cats. So I thought to bring him north to see what had become of them. I am aware of the the pale, pathetic shadows of elves that linger in Valconan. But I was curious to see how their bloodline had been preserved in your people. But since you have prevented that, and I, I am not going to spend a great deal of resources on idle curiosity, and given that you had proven your metal, I suppose you would say, by slaying my seneschal, I thought, and I already had that link established, I thought, why not talk to you as directly as I could? What harm would it do? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to be looking at Malcolm. <laughs> um, I will... Uh, I guess put my sword away and um, just kind of look at where I think he is and say, uh, look to our coming in the new year when the weather improves. Perhaps we will end you of your end your tedium. Everything is possible, though I think it unlikely. But nevertheless, I will look forward to your visit. And as he says that, the the sort of illusion starts to flicker, and as it sort of fades away, you hear like the last sentence he says as it sort of fades away and disappears along with the illusion. Oh yes. I will look forward to your visit. And then the illusion fades along with his voice. I'll I'll take a final swipe at the air. <laughs> you take a final swipe at the air and again just as it's sort of like as the last wisps of it are dissipating, you just hear like a, a faint sort of hollow like mocking laughter as it disappears. Okay, maybe it's not looking anymore. I need to sit down. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll over to the cart and just. Oh. At, at which point, Lan, who like, because you've all seen this, Lan is like, obviously, I can see you guys have got some stuff going on, but would it be out of turn to say, get on the fucking cart? <laughs> and and Crosno's like. Oh. God, yes, let's here, get away from this damn here, 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 here. <laughs> um, Brock's, Brock's already on the car and he's sort of rocking at the moment yeah. with his hands on his head, <laughs> trying to get this weird talking out of his head. And he's just he's, uh, a bit uh, lost. Yeah. Really bad time for Brock and Lan probably as well. <laughs> yeah, and you all jump on the cart. And I'll see you're in the middle of the white wastes the great glacier 
guys want to do. Do we know anything about the mirrored peaks? You know they're supposedly called the mirrored peaks because they're they're sort of like frozen solid due to like where they are. So like when the sun shines on them, it like reflect refracts through ice crystals and like the snow that clings to the peaks. So on like really sunny days, like the peaks almost seem to like glow at the very tips because they're sort of so cold and the sunlight refracts through the mountains and the ice formations. Um, so I wonder if you want to head for the mountains and try and find somewhere to lay low for a number of days for to try and get some recovery. This, this is just glacier wasteland, isn't it? This yeah. is just like... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was thinking we need to hold up somewhere for at least a couple of days where we when we can find enough shelter. Please. And... Uh, Mountains may provide shelter for us. You also know, and I'll tell you this because you like passed it earlier. You will know you're not far from uh, Lang, the ancient. Oh, is that plateau on the same level as? No, it's like a little bit lower than the glacier. But you know that the when you last visited Lang, they said they like hunted the on the glacier. So okay. like, presumably there is a way up and hence down, otherwise they wouldn't be able to get up there. Mm. We upset them badly the last time. I thought, I thought we ended on good terms. One of them was a bit upset when you went there, because like, the, the, the previous elder, like, savoured Oh, sort of, yeah, he'd mm. basically seen that like oh, I'm gonna like pass away of like natural causes like shortly after your visit. So his daughter was like, Oh, you coming here, you're like my yeah. father's gonna die. But he was just like, Oh, I'm dying of natural causes, it's just the way I just know it's gonna happen, that's the only difference. So he was fine with it. Mm. How far are the mountains from us? Is that it's like four days to the north? Oh sorry, the south just the mirrored peaks. Oh the, the mirrored peaks to the south. They're about um, two, three days for the sap. Okay, so either way, we have to sleep before then. Yeah. Um, so I guess we just want to, it's just turn night time, right? Yeah. So we probably want to head south for two hours and then find somewhere to stop and camp and give the ponies a break and have Brock and Weimar catch up on some sleep. Okay. Yeah, that's not a problem. Obviously, I'll cross off a ration. Uh, since you're now like you're you're able to rest up now. Obviously, you've got tents and shit like that in the cart, so that's fine. It's not the most comfortable night's sleep you've had because, like I said, we're getting into like, the, the bitter cold winter now, and you're on a glacier. But it's better than like in a rumbling ass cart. So you will all be able to gain D3 hit points back. Any of you have got exhaustion levels, you can lower them by one.
And I take it, Rob, you're sort of up to speed with what's happened in the last sort of yeah. couple of sessions with regards to the, uh, the the gateway and the meeting at the tower and stuff. Yeah, I read up that. Okay, so the, the night passes fairly uneventfully, though it's bitterly cold. The next morning when you wake up, the the sunlight is streaming over the horizon, sort of causing this brilliant white, stark landscape to be illuminated in all its deserted glory around you. You guys continuing south? Yeah, I think we're. So, how far away are we from the deep winter? A week. Okay, and are we still planning on going to the Dolman Wood for the Green Sword for in the deep winter? Well, well, I think it's it's getting more and more the case that you know this this other sword is out there potentially like gaining an army or followers yeah. or something. I think having two two swords against all the, the bad stuff that's happening seems to be uh, definitely the way forward. Uh, that's however much Brock hates the idea of going through some weird mystical portal or whatever gateway thing. He sees that it's potentially the only only way forward. To give us a another upper upper hand against all the evil magic and witchcraft. Just you know, rest as we travel and get to the gateway, and then pass through and spend some time there looking for the sword. While you know, there's very little we can do in Valconan in the deep winter. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that's about the only option, really. Yeah. Right, okay. So, obviously, you guys know the location of the portal that you've discovered, the gateway. Uh, you know roughly where you are based on the fact you can see Lang, you know where that is. Really. So, you roughly work out it's about going to take about seven days to get to, like, the, the part of the forest where you discovered the gate previously. And, obviously, you, Brock and Weimar and, obviously, Lan, you know that when you left there, Quentin like marked the trees like quite deeply so you could like follow a trail of markings to make sure you got didn't get lost and you could get back to where the gateway was so once you hit the woods you're golden for finding the gateway mm. but obviously it's up to you guys what you want to do well otherwise we're going to be sort of locked up in town for like two months you know So it's the plan to head to the gateway, guys. That would be my vote. Yeah, mine too, unless yeah. one more feels. Yeah, no, sure. Um, it's one of the, uh, the 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 green blade is one of the few sort of the, um, edges <laughs> that we can we can yeah, strive. Yeah. Rel for relatively free of interference, we don't know what's gonna be there, but 
you know. I, I suppose the advantage you've got, given that you now know there's like this, this king of blood, like establishing all his plans and whatever. It's a reasonably safe bet if you're like, oh, this like, this wood, this forest, is in like a different dimension. Maybe he's like not messing with things there because it's in like a different yeah. dimension and he can't leave the castles. So, mm. yeah, maybe it's at least not going to be vampires. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so you guys traveling to the to the gate. You travel southwards. You come back down off the glacier into the the wolf forest. Obviously, it's seven days, so it'll be seven rations for for each of you. That's four of you. I'm assuming Krosnan's got like his own stuff going on, but it'll be the three of you and Lan. Obviously, you can basically just roll like seven d three, and that's how many hit points you get back. Anyone who's got exhaustion, that'll, that'll be gone because of like the seven days travel. And we are now on to the first of deep winter. Which also means you've got to pay your hirelings. Well, I guess on the plus side, there's very few of them left, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like only a, there's only like Quelac and like two of the um, the light footmen left. So let's see, it's one thousand five hundred and four. That's not a problem because we have pretty shit ton of money. Okay, just let me close all these uh, monster stat things I've got open. Okay, so you guys head into the, the wolf forest and following the, the deep marks that Quentin has left on the trees, you soon find yourself drawing near to a, a large stone gateway set amidst fallen trees and the winter snow. And as I relate, obviously I'll relate this again for uh, Malcolm's benefit. As you get near to this stone gate, the area around it is a few degrees warmer than the rest of the area. So like the snow's like melted near it. There's a couple of stone pillars with bits of like blue pigment still clinging to them on either side of the gate. And then just before the gate, there's like this now frozen patch of what looks like blood and I see Brock and Weimar can tell you that when they previously came here they established that there was actually like some tree sap mixed in with the with the blood and if I just bring up my notes on this I believe Quinton 
deciphered the message as well, didn't he? Yeah. There's basically a, a message of sort of like carved in sort of an old language above the the gateway, which says, you know, in order to enter, you've got to sort of combine your blood with the blood of the forest and sort of like make your pledge to it and sort of with the with the presence of this pool of blood with like tree sap mixed in it and they found some like deep scratches on trees in the area they they arrived at the idea obviously they've not tested it but they arrived at the idea that you, know, you have to like shed blood like mixed with tree sap to like activate this portal or this gateway okay Uh, so I guess I'll get some sap. Yeah. And how much blood is? Did it look like it was used the last time? Like it's just like a little a little pool. I mean, okay. to, to put it in game terms, we're talking like a hit points worth. Okay. Like you don't have to like sever an artery or anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's more Weimar's back. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's, let's try and why am I sawing off his other leg? <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of need my other leg. Um, you don't need both your legs. They don't need those. Um, so I'll do a little cut on my arm. Okay. I'll mix the blood with the sap. Um, and then is there like a is it like an archway? Yeah, it's like a stone archway just near, just to like the left of where the, um, the pool of blood is. Okay, and then, so uh, I guess it's an archway that you can walk through today. Yes. It's not, yeah, okay. Yeah, although, um, although it's, there's literally like nothing beyond it at the moment. It's just like a stone archway. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um. So, and is there like symbols on it that I can rub the blood along? There's the writing, like I say, you know, can make your pledge to the forest and join your blood with that of the forest but like the blood that you can see just appears to have been like dropped like in the archway like in the center of it okay so i'll try and rub the the writing first and then i'll drop what's left in the archway okay nothing happens nothing happens when you rub blood on the the words but like they do feel like vaguely warm to the touch and then as you sort of like drop the blood in the archway, a almost like a sort of invisible like pulse goes through the air. The two blue stone pillars on either side of the archway light up, and what appear to be like bluey green arcs of energy flash from those two pillars into the gateway, and it's sort of like it's like a blinding light for a few moments, and then as the light sort of fades away beyond it where previously it was just the expanse of the frozen wolf forest you can now see what looks to be a balmy summer deciduous forest like a few sort of leaves gently falling down sunlight shining down is the is it wide enough or big enough for us to bring our cart through no no okay And all we can see on the far side is forest, is it? Yeah. Can you roll me a D3, please? Okay. Two. Okay, that's fun. 
So yeah, looking through, you can see this balmy, like almost summery looking, maybe slightly autumnal sort of forest, you know, a few sort of like brown and golden leaves like falling down. Okay, so I guess we pack up as much of the equipment as we can carry on our back and send Crosland with our cart and the ponies back to New Zealand. Yeah, four of us can step through. Suddenly, the the arcs of electricity from the pillars just like stop. There's a flickering, and the the image of the balmy forest in the gateway disappears, and you can now just see the wolf forest beyond it. I'm not going to change the map again, but... Okay. Perhaps it'll be quicker next time. And uh, I guess I'll get my gear with St. Crosland on his way, and I'll step up and open it again. Crosland's like, do you just want me to head back to New Zealand, or...? Yes, please. Okay, well, if you're sure, I've got to admit, I I don't really feel right about leaving you fellows to go through whatever devilry this is. Uh, I I guess this is the way our path must travel. We don't know how long we're going to be, and if you stay out here any longer, you're going to freeze to death, so you need to make your way back. Haste. I I understand that he like like shakes all of your hands, and then he says, uh, well, uh, the, the ancestors willing. Hopefully, I'll see you again soon. Uh, back back in New Zealand, he, he gets on the cart, gives you all like a final wave with him. He's like, "Yeah, go on you," and he like the cart starts like trundling off through the trees. Okay, so I guess once we have all our stuff ready to go, I'll do the blood and sap trick again. Okay, so that's a uh, that's another hit point. Okay. And roll me a D three. One. Okay, so the same thing happens. Arcs of electricity from the two blue columns into the gateway. Big flash as it fades again. You can see this sort of summery, autumnal, autumnal-looking forest beyond it. Okay, and I guess we'll step. I'll step straight through as soon as it opens. Okay, no problem. You step straight through. What about yourself, uh, Weimar and, and uh, Brock? Yeah. yeah, I'll follow through. Okay, Weimar goes through. Yeah, I'm going to be hesitant, as expected. Can I, can I see him walk through? Okay. Can I see him on the other side? You do see him walk through on the other side. However, as you're watching them, again, the light fades from the two columns and the gate closes. Okay. Leaving just Brock uh-huh. and land stood on the uh, the Valconan side of it. And I, and I look at her. Uh, and I say, you know, we have no choice. This is our future. She, uh, she puts a, a comforting hand on your shoulder and she says, well, as I told you back in New Zealand, where you go, I go. So I'll do the same. I'll follow the same process from before. I'll collect some sap. i sort of cut my hand. Yep. So mix, it's, mix it's it. One, one D hit point knocked off. Yep. And um, roll me a D3. And... Uh, let me roll that first. A two. Okay. Um, so the same process repeats itself, and you can now see the the other side of the portal. You can see Weimar and 
uh, harp on the other side. Okay, so I, I'll I'll grab her hand tightly, like squeezing it quite firmly, and uh, she can probably notice that I'm sort of shaking, but yeah. we'll sort of both step through at the same time. Okay, and indeed, you both step through the portal into the woodland beyond. bring up this map hopefully it won't take too long to load there we go I'm hoping you can all see that or you will be able to shortly it's not come up yet yeah I have it yeah oh yeah it's come up yeah okay so we turn some of this uh, these ambient sounds down a little bit Okay, so as you step through into this lovely autumnal forest, you know, like a few leaves falling around you as I've described, you stumble out of what appears to be like a gateway on this side. However, unlike the stone gate on the Valconan side, this one seems to be made of almost like trees that are sort of like grown together to form this gate as part of the forest. And as you're looking at it, you can see like the the lower portions of this gate. They appear to have been like into the wood. Like people have like carved their like initials onto it. And there's like loads of different like initials carved in it. Some of them look really old. The like they, the trees like healed over them a bit. Some of them look more recent. And above this like graffiti, I suppose you would call it, there are very sort of lifelike, but in, in a sort of like cartoony way you know almost like the theater like comedy tragedy mask style there are these wooden faces carved into the upper portions of the trunks that make this gateway and as you're all sort of stumbling out of this gate sort of looking around at like the bright light streaming through the trees and immediately you notice like the temperature is warm in here because you're all like wearing like winter furs and it's like so like warm summer in here so like immediately as you go through for a few seconds you've bought a bit of cold air with you through the portal but once that fades and the portal closes behind you you're like <sighs> and as you're so I, I mean it's up to you I mean you can keep your keep your fur clothes on you don't want to spontaneously combust or anything like that but it is very warm and, and as you're sort of looking around at this sort of seemingly beatific forest around you you hear like a creaking from the the gateway and as you as you sort of look up at the gate you see a number of these wooden faces that are carved into the upper limbs of these trees that form the gate begin moving and one of them in a la almost cheery voice really says Day to you, travellers, and welcome to the Dolman Wood. Thank you very much. Not at all. How does this day find you, Sir Montan, Sir Lone Grove, Sir Harp, and Lady Rivar? It finds us well. Splendid. If a little Splendid. lost. Ah, well, there are many paths through the Dolman Wood. 
there are. Um, where might we find uh, accommodation and equipment? Um, perhaps a pony or two. The the face merely smiles. It doesn't respond. Okay. Hmm. Uh, is there, does it look like an obvious way to open the gate again? Not that you can see. There's no instructions on this side. Okay. Um, the fact it seems to know our names would make me think that you've got to put your initials in, and it would okay. accept that. But that's a, that's a guess. Um. So while Brock's not looking, I nudge Weimar and indicate his sword and say, does our friend know where the green sword might be or can he sense it that we're in the same location? So I'll, I'll think at the sword uh, without drawing it. Um, does... we've, yeah, we've come through the portal. Uh, do, do you know where one of your sibling blades the the sword like, you know it's heard you and it appears to be like pausing for a bit almost in thought and then in your mind like the sort of normally rambunctious voice of the sword though slightly muted now says uh, well it's uh, it's strange but I can I, I can sense the, the, the ma I can sense the magic of the green blade but it's it, it's all around us it's it's like it's it's permeating the very air. I'll lean to Malcolm. I'll, I'll whisper. I think the uh, whatever gifts the Green Blade has have permeated this entire place. I don't know what that means for our search, though. Okay. Obviously, as this is going on, obviously you guys are sort of taking stock of your surroundings and stuff like that. As you sort of look around, you appear to be on like a, a sort of well, it's not like a road, but it's like a well-travelled like path through the forest. You know, like you can see that um, it's sort of like flattened, like compacted dirt. Obviously, it's been used quite a lot. And as you sort of look to the to the southeast, sort of like a longid in the distance, maybe like a day, day and a half away. As you look into sort of like the southeast, following this path, you can see what appears to be a a sort of gently rising at first, then more steeply sort of hill to the southeast, and on top of it appears to be a a fortified stone castle. Well, maybe that's where we start our search. Yeah, at the very least, there will be equipment there. Yeah. We Guess need we some to hope they're friendly. Mm. Mm. I wonder, is there uh, 
I guess I wonder, should we find more information about who owns the castle before we walk into it? Well, should we lurk on the outskirts and, and see who comes and goes? Yeah, maybe there'll be villagers outside the castle or people working farms. Yeah, let us try and find someone to find a, the lay of the land and what local politics we might be walking into. So okay. I guess we'll follow the path southeast towards the castle looking for Guide or okay, and, so uh, you travel southeast for a day. Obviously, that again, that's a, a ration for each of you, uh, unless you do like hunting or anything like that. Well, I guess if we're just passing through, we could kind of walk a little bit slower and do a bit of hunting. Yeah, that's fine. Make you make your roll for hunting. Uh, if we're gonna do that, I shall use my special spear. Okay, in which case, before you roll, let me have a look at the rules for your spear. Because I have some special rules related to this. Yeah, so one in only fails and a one in twelve, it says. Yeah, hunting rolls for the wielder only fail when rolling a one on a d12. So, yeah, so if you want to make a hunting roll, Brock, anything but a one and you're golden. <laughs> you are not golden. <laughs> okay. So amazing. I had one chance to fail on a six, and you had one chance to fail on a 12, and we both fail. Yeah. I'm not sure we should be hunting in these woods. <laughs> it's okay, a sign. So, so it's not that there's no game in the woods. I mean, it's like a, it's like a deciduous forest. There's plenty of game about. However, it does appear to be quite skittish. Obviously, you guys as well, you've sort of got used to, like, hunting in, like, the, the Arctic wilderness, and the terrain and everything around there, you're not really used to like hunting in these balmy, like warm forests, especially when you're like weighed down with furs and everything. So you think you're sort of slowly getting the measure of it, and you're like, oh yeah, we're gonna have to adjust our tactics if we like want to hunt successfully here. But for the meantime, you've not managed to find anything while you're hunting. You've not you've seen animals, but you've not managed to like get your hands on any of them, basically. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, be a, be a ration for each of you, and anyone who is injured can regain D3 at points. And I'm just going to quickly nip to the facility. So, if you guys want to chat about what you want to do when you get to this castle, I'll be back with you very shortly. I'm going to just take a quick break as well. Yeah, so I guess we've just got to find out what the lay of the land is, really, because yeah, we've got no someone, idea. Yeah, someone local with information, I think. Because we've only really got one sole purpose at the moment, but that could change. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, depending on what the people at the castle are like, what they're because, about. Yeah, because didn't they say that they basically sent the whole of the forest into this sort of other world or dimension or whatever you want to call it mm. back in the day the center 
So, who knows what's here. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what kind of... It's almost kind of like a parallel civilization at this point. Yeah. It diverged so far in the past. <laughs> yeah. And what... Yeah, whether it is in the past or whether it... Yeah. It's strange. Can we remember, John, when they talked about the Senna sort of... Well, I, don't, I think it was the Senna sending yeah, it, this it forest through. It was an offshoot of the Senna called the Drone, who apparently did this. Basically, when the um, when the Senna all got together and they were like, "Oh look, shit's going down below the ice. We need to like do something. The only mm. hope we've got is to like call, to call down this ice age." The Drone were like, "Nah, that's nah, a rubbish idea." But they effectively got outvoted. So because they knew like they couldn't do anything, they were like, "Right, well they're going to go ahead and do this, and it's going to wreck everything." So we're not going to persuade them otherwise. There's not enough of us to like take it by force and like stop them. So what we're going to do is we're going to concentrate on making ourselves like a little sort of like pocket realm, I suppose, mm. where we can basically weather out the worst of this like ice age. And you and know, so was you it know, you came across the um, the mushroom near, dwarf yeah, guys near where the like um, the moss dwarves were. Moss there was dwarves. like that. Um, that small sort of like temp magically temperature controlled house near there where like one of the drone had basically used that to like test out some of like the little spells that were going to go towards the big spell so is that who was in the forest we thought the, the drone is yeah. that yeah that's who we're expecting to sort of find potentially yeah okay now the only thing you guys the only other thing you guys really know about it is effectively there used to be this big forest that was in Balconan and whatever magic the drone did basically like yoinked it away into like a little like pocket realm where apparently like the weather's much better and it's like summer like there's not even a not even a faint trace of like winter here at all hmm. as to whether there were like other people in the forest when they did this and what happened to them did they come across you don't know I mean you might assume so given the fact there's like a big castle you're heading towards but <clears throat> And have we, have we got a rough sort of timeline when this happened? How long ago it was? Was it hundreds of years ago? Yeah, it, yeah. It was. It was. It was sort of like. Well, the date you're on now is like one thousand and two hundred and something, like one thousand two hundred eighty-six AE, which is like after the Exodus, when right. your your forebears travelled south to escape the Ice Age, and obviously yep. the Drone did this before, around, like, the same. around about the yeah. same time as the Ice Age. So it's at oh. least a thousand years. All oh, right, so plenty, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I guess, again, while Brock and Rivara are distracted, um, I kind of nudge Weimar again, and Weimar getting a sore arm from all the nudging. Um, but, uh, <clears throat> Might be a place to try and find some um, magical expertise. The castle? Yeah, or the, the land generally. Um, mm. I feel like this, everyone else knows what's going on and we just stumble from magical problem to magical problem. Um, and yeah, it might, it might be perhaps 
useful if we could. We, uh, I, I do agree. We ought to retain the services of a wizard, I think. Mm-hmm. Long term, that would be good. Though I hesitate what the, with regards to the cost, because we currently employ a sage that is not a wizard, and it is very, very expensive. It is, but we have an awful lot of pirate money. So really, I think, you know, we can afford to pay a wizard for a few months. Mm. That, that's true. You did make bank when you took out them pirates. Yeah. yeah. No, but we, yeah, we should either recruit one for the cause or, or purchase the services of one. Mm-hmm. Recruitment is cheaper. Uh, it is. It is. But... We may get a higher quality of candidate if we hire. At any rate, moving them from here to elsewhere, I suppose. That might be a problem in its own right. Yeah. Well, if we find the right one for the right price, and they, you know, they could always return in time. Okay, so obviously you guys are talking about this as you're travelling towards this this castle. Um, as you get nearer, you can see that what at first you sort of, as you're heading up the hill, what at first you took to be a, a simple castle is actually like a castle and a keep with like a wall around it. And so between that is like a fairly big town, you know, like little buildings dotted amongst it, and there's like a wall around the whole lot. So there's a wall around the outside, then a town, then a wall, then the keep. Is that kind of it? Well, there's not like a central wall. It's just like one big wall around the outside, and then the town, the castle, and the keep inside. Oh, okay, sorry. Okay, yeah, no, no problems. As you're, so I'll, I'll set up a map so you can not see all of this. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for next time. Uh, as you're sort of, because you're sort of coming in from like the northwest, so to speak. As you're heading towards it, you can see sort of facing you and sort of like built into the wall is what appears to be a large, sort of very strange-looking uh, building. It's a, it, it's a gate. You can see that, but it's like the outside of the gate has been carved to resemble like a large, sort of gaping, like draconic mouth. And you can see like a, a number of what you assume to be gods, like humans, Stood there wearing like chainmail, tabards, you know, spears, tin helmets. Okay. Um. So I guess we'll approach Boulder's Brass, like we own the place. Um, yeah, no problem. Just... You walk up. There's, there's four guards there. They, they don't appear to be surprised by someone approaching the gate. They just sort of watch you as approach. They don't challenge you or anything like that. They they obviously look at you as you're approaching, but. You, you get the feeling okay. that like a lot of people probably come in through this gate, so they're okay. like they're not like, "Who are you? What are you doing here?" They're just sort of like watching you approach. I mean, you're not coming up with like weapons drawn or attacking the city or whatever. So they're just like, "Oh yeah, tra- travelers like coming to the gate." Well, yeah. Okay. Um, so since they're kind of friendly and not uh, antagonistic, um, as we're walking past, uh, I'll just kind of nod at one and say can you recommend somewhere to stay he says he says oh uh you, you need some lodgings do you yes 
He says, oh, yeah, yeah, not, not a problem. He's like, look, he points he points southwards. He's like, look, follow the... Follow the follow the follow the bracken mold walls. Keep go, keep following it round. Um, eventually, you'll see a you'll see quite a big building. Uh, it, it now don't get me wrong, it looks a little bit grotty, you know, tar planking a lot, but don't worry about that. Looks can be a bit deceptive, but you'll recognise it. It's got like a big metal weathercock on its roof. Uh, that's the um, that's the poppycock in. Says so, yeah, you'll find lodgings there. Okay. Um, cool. Thank you very much. No problems. Enjoy the rest of your day. And you stay safe. He says. Uh, he says. Oh, by the way. Uh, he says. Um, just be a bit careful if you're uh, if you're traveling hereabouts. Uh, we've had a few. Uh, we've had a few reports that uh, you know the old uh, the old beastmen are. Uh, Acting up again, he says. So just, ah. just, just, just be on the lookout. He's like, I'm sure they won't come this near to the Brackenwall Castle, but you know, just, just be on the safe side. You know, just, just keep a lookout. Okay, beastman, you say? Oh yeah, yeah. He says, um, you know, the old, the old twisted horns. They, uh, they get a bit riled up every now and again. Like I said, they don't normally come towards Brackenwall. I mean, we can see them from miles away up on this hill, so they don't normally give us any trouble, but. Um, yeah, you, if you'll forgive me for saying so, and he obviously he's looking at you guys in your furs, he's like, you don't really look like you're from around these parts, so uh, just so I'll give you a word to the wise, just be like on the lookout. No, uh, very much appreciate it. Um, also, is there any laws within the town that we need to be aware of? I uh, wouldn't want to run afoul of your good selves. He says, well, he says, yeah, obviously there's the normal laws, you know, where... Uh, don't go waving weapons around. Don't go like causing harm to to the citizens of uh, Brackenwald. Uh, no stealing, no looting. You know the normal stuff. Is okay. that, is that nothing aside from the usual? Nothing untoward. Is that, as long as you don't go around causing trouble, you'll be fine. Okay. Um, and I guess if we're looking for uh, more suitable attire. Uh, could you recommend a an establishment that might sell what we need for the distinguished gentleman? He says, oh, "Well, well, there's there's plenty of there's there's plenty of places you could go to get yourself some clothes and supplies in the uh, in the town. Yeah, just um, wander down any of the streets, you'll find uh, you find shops that can supply what you want. That that's not a problem. We get we get quite a few travellers stopping on there. Obviously, you know." People don't go to the actual castle and the keep unless they've been like, invited up there for official purposes. But for the rest of the town, you know, there's merchants, there's people selling their wares. Like I said we get plenty of travellers like, stopping off on Brackenwall due to us being on this main thoroughfare here. So yeah, I'm sure you'll find what you need. Okay. Um... I'll tell you what, if you uh, if you're looking to see the sights of a uh, Brackenwall, only like jerks his thumb at, at the gate. Uh, now I believe the I believe the the chapel of St Ignis they're like holding a big service in the next couple of days that that's always a, an interesting site obviously if you're looking for supplies there's the there's a grand market uh, also if you want to take in the sites there's a falls row it's this it's this big like stone um, I suppose plaza you'd call it uh, and it's got like all these statues of like 
fabled heroes and like local folk heroes and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a little bit touristy now, but you know, people seem to like it, so. Indeed, and what can you tell me of Lord Brackenwald, is it? Lord Brackenwald, he's like, well, what, what do you want to know? I mean, obviously I don't really like hang around with him a great deal, but, and he sort of laughs at his own joke. <laughs> you know, being, um, being a humble god like myself, but he's like, uh, he's like, well, uh, what do you want to know? Uh, is he a duke, baron? Is that well? He's a yeah, he's a duke. Yeah. Okay. And how much of the land around the castle does he control? He says, "Well, that that that's a bit of a difficult question because technically." Lots of it, but how much does he actually control? And he's like, obviously, you didn't hear this from me, but he's like, how much does he actually control? Well, it, it's only what you can really sort of like keep your hands on, really. So it's only really the the immediate area around the around the castle and the hill, really. Although technically, right. most most of the civilized places hereabouts are fielded to like the Duke of Brackenwald, so. It just okay. depends how you classify control, really. Okay. And is he the only duke? No, no, no. There's, there's other dukes. Okay. And is there a king and queen? He says, no, we, 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 don't, we don't have a king and queen. Uh, it's mostly just the dukes who are, like, in charge of things. Uh, you know, but the, the titles are, always seem to be, like, changing. I mean, you know, sometimes you get... If you get, like, a... A duke who doesn't fancy being called the duke, they might adopt another title. But you know, they're all they're all of a similar sort of level, if you know what I mean. I mean, not that it really matters for us, uh, for us uh, common folk. You know, we just sort of like do what we're told and we get on with our jobs and try and keep our noses clean. But uh, yeah, there's there's plenty of dukes around. Uh, but like I say, the, the titles sometimes differ a little bit. Okay. Interesting. Well, thank you very much for your time. Oh, no problem. Um, we will go and try and find that poppy cocktail. As well, have a good day. Uh, you too. Thank you. And it leaves you to go about your business. Mm. And they, they were all humans, I take it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, John. Can I ask him... Um, before I go, uh, yeah, is there goblins nearby? He says, "Well, not not that I'm aware." Ah, okay, okay, interesting. Well, thank you very much, and it'll be about our business. Yeah, no problems. So I guess we follow the direct. What what time is it? A day? Do we have a sense? It, it seems to be sort of about noonish. Okay. Uh, so I suggest you find a place to stay and drop off our gear and examine the town. Perhaps a beverage or two. Yes, get settled. Yes. Eat, eat something that isn't rations. Yes. Okay. Mm. So you all follow the the wall of the city southwards and eventually you you reach an area where something like a bit further along the wall you can see what appears to be a large 
stone gate with like a statue of like an angel on each side of it and there's a number of guards stood next to it but before you get to there just a short distance outside the town walls proper is this disheveled like ramshackle looking building like tarred planking on the roof and this sort of slightly this this old metal weathercock at a slightly jaunty angle on the roof there's a sign sort of creaking in the gentle breeze outside and it shows a busty maiden wrestling a rooster okay um this looks like the place uh, and sorry john are we inside the city walls or uh, the you're outside at the minute but you can see like this other gateway and then there's this inn this poppycock inn which is just outside the walls okay and then where were the first guards they were the first guards were like another gate sort of like further around the wall to the north and you, ah, you okay, just like so follow the, the outside wall. of the wall yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah okay um cool so i guess we'll just walk into the inn and see what it looks like on the inside okay the door opens and it looks a bit rustic it's not gonna like win any like michelin stars or anything like that but it looks it looks all right as the door opens you can the sound of like chatting and people like talking and chinking tankards inside and it appears to be like mostly like farmers maybe like the odd like trader and like townsfolk inside or like drinking having a bit to eat stuff like that you can see there's like bundles of like herbs hanging from like the thick wooden beams on the roofs it's all like I say very rustic you know people are drinking out of like some clay tankards and like pewter tankards the tables are all basic wood there's a there's like a, a sort of bar area set which is a little more than like a couple of tables you know with like some you presume like kegs of various beer and whatever behind it there's a a thin wiry looking woman who is like stood behind this bar area like chatting to one of the farmers um she's i say she's quite thin got quite sort of like stringy hair and she has a patch over one of her eyes and she's just like laughing and like joking with the uh will you presume one of her regulars as she like as she like turns around to one of these kegs like pours him some like foaming ale whatever into it and like passes it over to him you see him like throw like a couple of like silver coins onto the table and she like scoops them up okay um so i guess the three of us will approach the bar um and when we get her attention um she, she, she comes walking over and she's like oh what can what can old gil get you uh three uh four ales and three rooms she's like yeah that'll come to her about 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 five gold coins should do it i'm a damn i don't want to undersell it but don't be expecting anything special from the room there they're, they're fairly bare bones you know but they'll do you we've, we've got soft straw mattresses you know it's, it'd, it'd be nice and warm in there you'll be fine we've We've got blankets. You'd be grand. Okay, and the five gold coins is lodgings for the week. She says, "Yep, yeah, sort your lodgings out." She says, it, and she sort of laughs a bit and says, "Oh, if you're lucky, I, 
I might even throw a bit of morning breakfast in you. Nothing, nothing special, just like a bit of fish, you know. The the usual. Okay. Uh, so I guess I'll give her five gold coins and yeah, she 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 sweeps them off, and then she she sort of like looks beyond you into the main sort of like tavern area, and she's like, so Harold, Harold is shut. Like, clicks her fingers and you see like a, a young lad with like sort of like fuzzy like red hair comes walking over and he's like yeah she's like oh show these um show these gentlemen and this lady here to uh to uh i presume you don't want the one room is it for all of you uh uh three rooms she says oh well that'll, that'll be 10 gold pieces then so, sorry my mistake that's hard I'll just give her five more. Yeah, she takes her phone. And she's like, yeah, t t t take him to three of the rooms. And he, and he's like, he's like, oh, well, we've, we've only got the two rooms free. And she's like, wow. She's like, oh, well, Sam's leaving in like a few hours. Anyway, he'll be on his way. Uh, if you don't mind waiting a, a little bit, we'll, once he's out, we'll quickly go in. We'll clean around the second room and you can, you can occupy it to your heart's content. In the, me in the meantime, t t take, take him to the room that's free. Get him set up in there. And when Sam's like cleared out, go in, give it a clean over, give him a knock on the door, and then they can move whatever they want into the other room. Is that right? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, no problems. He's like, well, if, if you come with me, and he sort of turns around, leads you through this this bar, like you know, as as like your sort of standard country bar, you get like a few like curious looks off like locals, like oh, these people coming, <laughs> but like no, nothing like too hostile. He leads you through to one of these fairly simple plain rooms. Like I said, there's a couple of straw mattresses in there, some blankets. It looks fairly clean, but it is like very simple, simple fare. He, he says, right, well, this is this is the room we've got free at the minute, uh, gentlemen, lady. Uh, if you get yourself set up in here, like uh, like Gil said, uh, once the other room's free, I'll give it a quick give it a quick whip round, have a quick clean of it all, and then I'll I'll give the old rat a tat tat on the door and uh, let you know you can like move move whatever. And I presume the lady's going to be. Go be sleeping in the room, yeah? Yeah. Right, yeah, well, I'll give you the old rat-a-tat-tat on the door and uh, when it's free and you can move her and her stuff into there. A anything else while I'm here? Uh, uh, do they serve food downstairs or do we need to go somewhere else for food? He's like, well, he's like, well I, I, I can bring you some up. That's not a problem. Yeah, yeah, we'll have some food, please. Yeah, yeah, what, what, what sort of thing you have to... Uh, what sort of thing have you got? He said, well, we've got bread, cheese, we've got stew, we've got a bit of chicken, we've got, yeah. we've got some vegetables, you know, Gil grows a few vegetables out the back, we can we can rustle you up something like that. Yeah, bring us a little bit of all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no no problem. So, and he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring that up, and it might take me a little while, because I've got to, like, check on a few other things first, but I'll bring some up to you, and I'll give you a knock on the door. Yeah. And he, like, opens the door for you and lets you in, like I said, to this yeah. simple room, and he heads off to, like, do his business. And cool. For the moment, you're all left alone in this simple rustic room. Why Mars fallen asleep in the corner? Of the room. <laughs> <laughs> As he like falls asleep and he's like, oh, internet connection. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, he's exhausted, poor lad. See, it's just some exhaustion levels, man. They get you in the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So. We get settled, he brings our food, we have our food, and then I guess we sit down and talk about what's next. Yeah. Um, and basically, just to let you know, guys, probably what I'm going to do is 
have you guys talk about what you want to do next. We'll wrap up this session, and then obviously next session we can start with you guys exploring like the town proper. Yeah, yeah. And obviously I'll get prepped for that and whatever. But yeah, yeah. feel feel free to discuss what you want to do, and obviously hopefully like Weimar will jump back on at some point, you know, when you give him a nudge and like wake him up and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> reconnected. <laughs> I was having this horrible dream where a vampire had pulled my modem plug out. <laughs> nah, there we go, look, he's woke up already. Um. Yeah, so we need to find some sort of map or information on the local area, don't we? Uh, yeah. Anything that can give us an idea. Um, I don't know if this beast man thing is in any way related to uh, anything we need to do or any sort of danger. People just need to be mindful of them. Um, I mean, if it, if it becomes a bit of an issue, then it maybe it'll be a good way into, you know, make a good relationship with someone of any sort of note in the in the castle or yeah. surrounding area. Because I think we also want something resembling a guide and mercenaries or guards if they're to be had. I mean, if if the sword. The sun sword is no sort of assistance for locating this other sword. Uh, I'm not sure who is going to be the right person or who we need to speak to. Or so that that's where we need to find out what's in the, yeah, the vicinity. Find a, find a local sage or a wizard. Yeah, we need to find a... knowledge, basically. Yeah, yeah. and knowledgeable soul. To assist us, so we need a drone, I guess. Yeah, if such a such a person's still around. Because um, I, I assume there's other sort of towns, castles, whatever, whatever's around this in this place. Okay, as you guys are talking, there's a a little bit of a knock at the door and you see Harold like the young man who escorted you to the room he comes walking in and he's carrying a wooden tray with some food on it and at this point I'm gonna ask kind of all three of you please roll me a d30 okay. you might have to manually type that in. yeah uh. Okay, so the food that he has bought up for you, he has bought up for you a pork shank. Mm. That has been stuffed with herbs, etc. And it also appears to have, it's, it's like in the centre of, on like a very crude sort of like clay plate in the centre of this wooden tray. And arranged around it, almost like the petals of a flower, are these like small, like thin, sort of like pink things, sort of vaguely slimy looking. You're not really sure what they are. They look like they're some sort of meat, but they've got like a bit of an odd texture to them, and they, like I said, these are little sort of like. 
like almost like rounded oblongs of like pink, thin pink meat. Is, is this Harold guy still there? Yeah, he's just like he's just like put it down, and he's like uh, he's like. Do you want me to get any drinks or anything like that? I don't know, but I'm going to poke at that, and I'm going to say, "What's that?" It's like it's like oh, uh, lamb shank and lox tongues. Sorry, what what tongues? Locks. Locks. Yeah, locks. You know, locks. Have I heard of such a thing before? <laughs> is that, is that yeah. you know, locks? Okay. Okay, I'll look at the others and sort of, because I'm a bit puzzled by locks. Local delicacy. Hmm. I'll just okay. taste a bit and see what it tastes like. If I had to describe in modern terms what these locks are, they taste a bit like spam. So they're they've obviously they've put some spices on them and herbs, which is mainly the flavour you're getting. The meat's like fairly bland and a little bit gelatinous, so it's mainly the herbs that have been put on it that you're tasting. Obviously, they're like the, the ham shank tastes like ham. Yeah, but yeah, it's not it's not unpleasant. It's just a bit of an bit of an odd texture, and you're pretty sure that like if they hadn't put herbs on it, it would just taste like nothing. Yeah, yeah. it's mm. as you're tasting it, you're like, oh well, this is obviously here to like bulk the meal out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, need to get better at hunting. Yeah, Harold's like, um, get you any drinks or? Yeah, I would have more ales, please. Okay, right, you are, and he he heads off downstairs. A few moments later, he reappears, and I'm gonna just roll some random dice to see what drinks his boy. You know me, I love my random dice. Lark juice, finest lark juice. Hate to think what it actually is. <laughs> okay. So he comes back and he's bought to you these drinks. They're like very small pewter mugs with a sort of colourless liquid in them. And he's like, Oh, they they go I bought you one up each. Um, there's four night liqueurs for you. That'll see you off to bed nicely. Nice. Night liqueurs. Yeah. Yeah, Brooks just... Um, Brock's just got a constant puzzled look on his face with all of this. He just wants meat and ale. That's it. He says, oh, um, that'll, be, um, that'll be seven silver pieces for the drinks. And it comes in a little shot glass, did you wait, say? Wait, it's not like a shot glass, it's like a half pint, effectively. Do, do you not do bigger drinking mugs? He says, he says oh, well, yeah, of course we do. He says, but because this is a little bit on the strong side, we know, we know. Because, <laughs> like I say, it's like a nighttime tipple, you know, you have, it, you have it before you go into bed. I mean, it's not something you drink in the morning before you went out to a day's work. Let's put it that way. So we mostly just sell it in the half pint. You know, people are maybe having a bit of trouble sleeping, you know, they... That they're staying up nights, they're fretting about things. A little slug of this before you go to bed sees you off to dreamland just nicely. 
I'll, I'll sample that to see if he's if when he says it's a bit strong. Okay, you taste it, and it's got it's got almost like a, a flavour, like sort of like slightly singed or like burnt elderberries, like a sort of little fruity flavour, but like this little like burnt sort of like under note to it. And after you've sipped it for a bit, you're like, oh, actually, yeah, that is a bit strong. I mean, it's not knocked you out or anything. Obviously, you're a big fella as well. But after you've been drinking it for a bit, you sort of like, you do feel like this slight sort of like sense of like languor come over you. You know, you start starting to feel like quite relaxed and languid. Mm. And you, you feel like it's like, it's one of these like warming sort of almost like spirit like drinks as you drink it. You feel like the warmth flow mm. down into your chest. And you're like, after a bit, you're like, oh, actually. Mm. Not bad. Not bad. He nods and says, "Oh, what, what did I tell you?" He says, "Oh, that that that'll see you off, all right." Anyway, I've, I've got to get back to it or get a lot of my guts for garbage, you know, people to serve and whatever. But uh, if you need anything else, just like pop your head around the door and give me a shout, and I, I'll leave you to your business. And he he sort of nods at you all and he disappears off. Okay. Um. So I guess we've got a bit of time still, haven't we, of the day? But it'll be just fact finding. I think I think that's what we decided, John. We're just looking to try and find some sort of uh, map or someone with local knowledge that can give us the lay of the land. You know what local sites and places there are about, or any sort of sage or anything that yeah can give us more insight. Okay, well, you don't find a sage in the tavern. However, you make sort of like general conversation over the course of the evening, like talking to the locals and stuff like that. You're told, as you're making like general chat to people, you're told that about like a few different sort of like sites that are in like the nearby area. For instance, you're told that like to the southwest of here, there's a... There's like a sort of locally sort of like famous, I suppose, place called um, Morrigan's Crag. And it's basically like this, from what you gather from like the locals chatting, it's this massive boulder. And um, they, you, there's this sort of like antiquated militia they call like, and the, the person's laughing when he tells you this, says they're like called like Crag Wardens. And he said, originally like they... They were founded to sort of like guard this place from like fairy invasions and stuff like that. But like, no one takes it very seriously now. It's like a bit of a local joke, you know, just like local colour. Like, nothing's ever really happened there, but it's become like a local tradition that people still like join the Crag Wardens and protect this giant boulder. And occasionally there's like festivals there and stuff like that. It's just like a local sort of like superstition nothing serious to it you're told that to the to the north west there is what's called the wench gate and after a bit of um you're told it's like this enchanted like wooden gate with these talking wooden faces on it and you quickly realize like that's the other side of the portal like you've come through and you you hear that like oh occasionally like strange people just like show up in the vicinity of the um of this gate Although, like, the last time that happened was, like, years and years ago, and no one really remembers it. But there's all, like, these 
old like stories about like some random person turning up like not knowing where they were and like not knowing what was going on like causing a bit of like a hullabaloo in the area but like it's not really happened in like recent memory you're also told that like further further along the road the, the horse eye road as it's called to the northwest past the wench gate is a place called the refuge of st key and you're told that it's a uh, it, it originally used to be like a sort of monastery or like a way station whereas now it's sort of like diversified and it's a it's a bit of like a way stop for like local travelers it still has a, a chapel attached to it and there's still like nightly services held there and like evening masses and stuff like that um the you told that abbot spatulard still like holds the services there and whatever even though he's like quite an old man in like his 60s he still like insists that like all the candles are like lit around this chapel for like the evening mass but mostly now it's just like a little way stop for travelers you know where they can stop off and get like a little bit of simple food rest their heads for a little bit before they're like traveling on further into the dolmen wood You also hear about a few different places that are um, that are mentioned that are inside Brackenwald. So I'm going to ask, can one of you, it's down to you guys which, roll me a d3 and let me know what you get. Yeah, I can do that. Okay. Uh, three. Okay, and then I'm going to ask each of you to roll a d20 and i'm gonna ask you each in turn to tell me what you get and that will relate to like what location you've heard about okay so brock what did you get uh 17 17 okay so you are told that on the eastern side of the wall of brackenwald there's what's called the the sunken gate and it's called the Sunken Gate because unlike the others that are sort of like built into the wall, this was like, is built like a bit lower down because like the, the hill drops down a bit and there's basically like a stone stairway that like leads down to this like smaller gate and like mostly like tradesmen like bringing carts in and stuff like that use it. And it was originally designed, you know, in case like the fort was ever attacked and they needed to like evacuate quickly, they could like get people out through the side. Okay, Malcolm, what did you roll? Uh, ten. Okay, you are told about the Grand Market, which was mentioned earlier by the guard. It takes place in a large plaza in the the town, like inside the walls. You're told it takes place daily. It normally starts off so just before midday, and it goes on to just before nightfall. And obviously the morning hours, that's all the people setting up their stalls and stuff like that. And you're told because there's a lot of like traders know that a lot of travelers pass through Brackenwald, there's normally a fair like bewildering a variety of things there that can be purchased. Like mostly focused on stuff travelers would find useful, like going into the Dolmwood and stuff like that. But um you're told that there's not normally any like problems there, but just in case, you know, occasionally there's like a bit of thievery or whatever goes on, there's normally like a at least a like, half a dozen of like the sort of like the watch 
sort of stationed around just to like make sure everything like runs smoothly. But like I say, it happens daily. And why more? What did you roll? Seven. Okay, seven. So you hear more about the Cathedral of St. Saint, Saint Ignis. And you are told, again, you're told they're probably going to have a, a service in a couple of days. And you're told that it's this large sort of cathedral that's like pretty much like smack bang in the center of Brackenmore. It's a huge, it's described as like a huge sort of like gothic building, like you know, reaching up to the heavens, manned by like very, very serious priests who take their take their duty very seriously. But on occasion when they have these normally that it's not like an open door sort of thing, you just walk in and worship or whatever. And normally it's like mainly for like the priests who already like stay there and people like of the faith. But um you're told that when they have these these sort of ceremonies, these larger ceremonies which they do a few times a year, they basically like throw the doors open for like everyone to come in, presumably in the hope that some of them will like take up like the worship of and the the way of uh, St. Cygnus. And those are the areas you find out about while you're just making general conversations during the evening. Was there any mention of the Beastmen again in the general sort of tavern talk? I think it Robbie D6. Tell me what you got. Five. Okay. So. I should sort of ask people. People seem a little bit, a little bit hesitant to like talk about these. Uh, you eventually discover like most of the common folk hear about, like as in like the farmers and like the travellers and whatever. They refer to them as like goat men or like crook horns. And when they talk about them, they seem to refer to them as like these, these disease-ridden, like feral, fucking dirty, like barely sentient, like creatures. That sort of like they're basically beasts that sort of like have this mockery of a human form. They're they're referred to them as like bandits and like brigands and stuff like that. Um, they although they seem to like describe them as like being like a bit of like a disorganized like rabble. You know, occasionally like someone will roll out of the forest, they'll raid a farm or whatever, and disappear back into the forest. They're not like a big organized force, and most of the danger from them seems to be like. Like catch it basically because they're so disease ridden like catching like if you survive an attack you know like catching illnesses and like diseases from them because they're so like dirty and like horrible like the actual like military threat seems to be fairly low they're just sort of like raiders and like like bandits almost troublemakers okay yeah pr pretty much like you hear a few farmers being like oh yeah you know like they basically come out they when they're hungry or like there's too many of them they come rumbling out of the forest they'll find like a, a poorly defended farmstead or something like that they'll raid it they'll they'll take whatever food and rob whatever they can burn whatever they can't take and then they'll just like disappear back into the forest they say like are oh, mostly like, a lot of people have like originally moved to like Brackenmore because like, they don't really get that around here because you can see them coming for miles away because of the hill and obviously the big wall and like the guards just mean that like they don't tend to attack Brackenwald. But like the isolated like little farmsteads and like woodcutters and people like that who live in the forest, they have to be a bit more on the guard against them. Yeah, that's cool. 
Okay, so I think as we as the evening starts to wear on and you've all been like having this chat and conversation with locals, you all retire for the evening. Harold tells you that uh, the other room's free. So is it just going to be, I presume it's going to be like Malcolm and Weimar in one room, Brock and Lan in the other. I assume that's how it's breaking down. So yeah, you all settle your stuff in the rooms. They're like they're like opposite each other, so it's not going to be a problem to like communicate with each other. And you all start settling down for the evening. And as I've said, like the night liqueur does seem to be like a very nice like nightcap. You know, after you've like drank it, you get this general sort of like sense of like lethargy and sort of like warmth. And it's very relaxing. It's like alcoholic like holics basically. It's like effect it has, and you, you'll start settling down for the evening. And I think that is where we're going to draw a close to the session. Thank you very much for playing, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Yes, thanks for being here. Yep. Uh, obviously, we'll sort out XP and <coughs> stuff like that, and we'll chat about what you want to do next time so I can plan for it. But for now, it just remains for me to thank my wonderful players and anyone who is watching this either now or in the future, and we're going to end the stream here. So take care.